folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I am your host, Austin, here, and I am joined by a myriad of demon hunters. First with me, I've got Tori. Hi, I failed my total breathing concentration test because I have asthma. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the asthmatic demon slayer. Mm-hmm. I can see it now. Uh, I've also got Ryan with me. I am currently fighting my own personal demons. What are those personal demons? Ocarina of Time. <laughs> are you playing Ocarina? Yeah, I started replaying it recently. Okay, well I hope you get through that successfully. Yep. And he was already back on the for the Persona 5 episode, but we've got him back again. John has Hello. returned. Yes, and I too am an expert on what it's like to have somebody become a demon that you have to live with. So, Are you referring to your dog? Yes. <laughs> she was okay. possessed just a little while ago, and we had to calm her down, so that was okay. f- interesting. Uh, okay. Because I know you have, a, you, you have like a lizard, and he's more of a dragon than a demon, yes. I would yes, say. Yes, I agree mm-hmm. with that. And we actually have a tortoise now. Nice. Oh, oh that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Very cool. Well, in case you guys were not aware, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the 2018... 18? 19? I think was it last year? It was last 18. year. It was last 2019. year. What is time anymore? The 2019 <laughs> uh, smash hit anime series that really came and took over the anime community by storm, dethroned My Hero Academia, and seems to be continuing to do that. We're going to be talking about Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba. Did it actually uh, dethrone Hiroaka? I mean, it's up for interpretation. The manga most definitely that, did. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, de- de- it's it's uh, it's it's hard to know for sure, but I would say that it is definitely something that has risen to the occasion to uh, to challenge My Hero Academia for its modern anime kingship. I would say, but uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that show because we all recently finished it up, and. Uh, yeah, just talk about what we enjoyed about it and uh, all of that good stuff. But uh, first of all, uh, is there anything you guys want to tell the people that you've been up to that you find interesting other than continuing to survive quarantine times? I've fallen back into the time hole that is Animal Crossing. Okay. <laughs> I think okay, Yeah, same that. here. I, I never left it. I'm sure many of our <laughs> listeners are exactly the same way. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I started playing Ocarina of Time again. I'm doing Master Quest for the first time in like a oh, decade. Oh no! Yikes! And so uh, I, I forgot just how weird this game is. I got through Jabu Jabu's Belly last night, and the the one phrase to describe that dungeon is cow switches. <laughs> cow switches. <laughs> There's literally yeah, cows you have to shoot with the slingshot in order to trigger a switch, <laughs> and it's the okay. stupidest thing ever. Well, speaking of cows and stupid things, oh Tori and I did watch. We watched a uh, we watched a Korean animated film that has been on our list for quite a while. We watched Satellite Girl and Milk Cow, and I kind of thought it was a huge stinker. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> I, I, what what I, even is that name? Yeah, I... <laughs> it makes perfect sense in context to the actual film, but it, it yeah. was nothing that I expected it to be. It was very much all over the place. And topically, they had a magical roll of sentient toilet paper. Yes. Um, there's, like, people who turn into animals whenever they become heartbroken. And 
there's a guy with a plunger trying to steal their livers. I mean, it, it's just weird. It's very, very odd. Yeah. And Excuse I, me? An adult I mean, man. like, if, you, if you're going to perform live surgery, then, like, I reach for the plunger just like all of our top surgeons in our country do. <laughs> yeah, and a uh, grown man falls in love with a satellite, so... As there, one that's does. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. it's... I, I really do think it says something about this movie, that it has a... It has Merlin the Wizard from Arthurian <laughs> Antiquity reincarnated as a talking roll of toilet but paper. The reasoning, the reasoning that, for it is hilarious. And that, and that in of itself is great. Mm-hmm. And that is in this movie. Oh, and the dog. But it was not enough to make me like it. The only like, two wow. redeeming parts of this movie were the toilet paper roll and the guy's dog. Yeah, the dog was very funny. But overall, the movie was very meandery. Uh, the animation, well, the background designs were, I thought, very impressive. Mm-hmm. But the animation itself was not very uh, solid. And honestly, I'm not one to necessarily judge things based on animation quality alone. I mean, I think the story and the characters are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But like Tori said, it was absolutely all over the place and just really didn't make a lot of sense. And it tried to have some emotional tug to it, but it just kind of fell on its face. Yeah. So. Uh, multiple times in the movie, I was just like, I don't care. I don't care what's happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, with this so current Ryan film th- watching, I feel that 110%. <laughs> what are you watching? I'm watching True Blood with Sydney because we're terrible and we hate ourselves. Sucky. <laughs> <laughs> I can't repeat that here. <laughs> well, anyway, I just think Sake you... is a Japanese drink. We're on top. Yes, exactly. Jeez, we can't promote geez. alcohol. So. <laughs> um, but uh, well, Ryan, thank you for mentioning uh, cows so that we could just get that out of our system. You know? <laughs> that, that uh, sounds like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, though. And I've I've seen some stuff. It would make a great yeah. bad so, movie yeah. night movie. Oh gosh. Yeah. What, uh, run, run that name by me again. Satellite girl and milk cow. And Someone I like how there. the two your like two favorite characters were not even remotely related to the <laughs> title of the movie in the slightest. Someone out Nor there. Nor particularly explained. No, someone out there is just like, well, I like that movie, and that's fine. Hey, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. <laughs> if you liked it, that's great. I thought it was a stinker, but that doesn't mean that you have to think it was a stinker, mm-hmm. too. Um, well, I mostly have been reading uh reading a book outside like i went off on the last time um and then i started watching this netflix j drama that stars hina tazaka 46 which is one of the like like the 46s i think are like a sister rival group to like akb 48 and like the 48 groups and um it's a psychological thriller but it's not scary um because you know they are very controlling of the situations they can put idols in and, um, long of the short, these girls all wake up in this, like, creepy gothic dining room chained to, a, like, a table, like a big table. And they're all there for the same reason. Um, because they bullied their classmate to the point where she, like, fell downstairs and became paralyzed and got stuck in a wheelchair. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so, um... They go around the table, and it's basically the truth coming to light, like, who did what, and um, that's only the first layer of it. It keeps going, but I am kind of glad I pushed through it. The first three episodes were almost unbearable because um, they let rats into the room to, like, scare them, and so it's just this high-pitched screaming for almost an entire episode, 
And then they let frogs into the equation. So then there was another almost full episode of screaming. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> but once That's you get past that. It's going to be a that, no from me, dog. <laughs> yeah. I, I really did think about dropping it. But then it got to the fourth episode. And um, it, it got a little better. I'm very interested to see what happens. Apparently, it's really infamous for its weird twist ending. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do. And uh, at first, I thought this was the idol group that was had some of the members um, that are going to be in the uh, Azuken movie. Because there is one girl in the group who would make like a perfect Kanamori. And then I went to go look it up and got very disappointed because it's not the same group at all. Not even close. <laughs> Is Whoops. she very tall, like a, a menacing grimace? Yes. Um, mm. She's very, like, very angular-faced. Like, if they brought mm. Kanamori out into 3D, that girl would look just like her. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a missed opportunity. It really was, I think. Um, but other than that, I've not been up to much. Just reading and watching J-dramas. <laughs> cool. cool. Sounds like the life. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing we did want to discuss that happened recently is that, um, as you all might be aware, a almost a, well, I'd say probably a totality of the anime conventions that were scheduled to happen both in the spring and summer in the United States have been canceled due to various coronavirus-related things. Um, so because of that, some uh, industrious folks out there in the anime netspace decided to put together a online anime convention that was hosted over uh twitch and youtube and facebook um at least a few of those uh temporarily because of some hiccups that happened uh, along the way but uh, it was called uh anime lockdown con and um none of us uh directly participated in actually putting on any programming for the event but we were able to uh, tune in to some of their offerings, and uh, it was a really interesting thing that they put together. Uh, they had lots of panels throughout the three-day weekend. Was it three days or two days? It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it was three days, and they had uh, from like 11 o'clock a.m. to 11 p.m. They had uh, panel slots. They had a Discord server, which I... Uh, entered and then promptly muted and barely have checked since you know as you do with discord servers yeah. except for the except for the third impact anime discord server of course because we know that all of our listeners are extraordinarily active in that mm-hmm. obviously. obviously they would never they would never mute us it would never ever happen they would never betray but, um, us like that no they wouldn't they really wouldn't they're too good for that <laughs> but um but yeah, Tori and I tuned in to some of their programming. We had some friends that we've made uh, through going to conventions uh, do some programming there. They had uh, industry folks from Right Stuff and from Discotech um, provide panels about some of their offerings. Discotech made some really cool new announcements for some anime that they have recently licensed. They're going to be putting out... Um, 
Katsuhiro Otomo's Memories Anthology on Blu-ray for the first time in North America, and I'm super excited about that. If you guys remember, a couple years ago, we did a episode on Memories. It's an anthology that I really, really like, so it'll be nice to own that in HD for the first time. But um, I think overall the event was pretty cool, at least from our spectator's point of view. It, it definitely had some hiccups for sure, but um, all in all I think they were relatively successful in their attempts. But uh, Tori, what, did, uh, what, did, what was your take on the whole, the whole thing? Well, I predicted the future first and foremost because two of their streaming platforms were copyright stricken. <laughs> Wait, really? Mm. Which yeah. ones? <laughs> yep. Uh, YouTube and Facebook. Yes. Uh, hmm. um, yep. They got they got nuked on both YouTube and Facebook. So about I think it was probably like halfway through Saturday. Yes. It was like we're going. Everybody's going over to Twitch. And now. apparently it wasn't even stuff people were showing. It was their like hold music between panels that got them taken down. So I don't know, but um. I'm not really surprised. It's always been like a private thing up until now. Like if we if something's showing, so. When you yeah. when you bring it to the internet, it kind of opens you up to, you know. Yeah. That's very true. Um, I mean, I had said before that I was very curious about how this was to be pulled off, and I'm glad for the most part. It seems for the most part that they were able to pull it off with very minor inconveniences. Um, I left out of the Discord server because Discord is my, like, the more, I guess the more number notifications i see for unread messages really stresses me out so even if i have it muted you will still see pings of people like messaging things so i was like okay i'm in enough servers goodbye um and there wasn't really anything that interesting going on in there other than people just kind of talking about nothing i mean i did stay around long enough to see the industry panel people respond back to questions in the servers and I checked out the virtual artist alley, and I checked out the virtual dealer's room. I thought that was interesting how they managed to do that. But, um, I mean, I I kind of found it unnecessary, I guess, for the event when most of the interaction was going on in the chat. Like, the chat of the stream itself. Yeah, I think the Discord was supposed to be, like, you know, here's a gathering place for, like, people that want to participate in the event to sort of congregate, mm-hmm. kind of like the hallways of a convention or right. a dealer's yeah. room or whatever. But, I mean, honestly, for people like us, where we kind of have our own, like, corners of the internet where we have the anime people we like to talk to, yeah. it was a little bit unnecessary for us, I guess. I don't That's know if fair. that makes sound makes us sound insular or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, we but have, yeah, I mean, We have for- our circles already. It definitely was a necessary thing for like other people like if they haven't Mm -hmm. had it if they hadn't had it i would have been like how did you expect to develop a community without like a central gathering place so i was glad yeah and that's fair um but i mean the the content in which they provided i think this would have been better if they had just kept it an all ages thing instead of um you know peppering in like i think one 18 plus panel because once again i've said how do you id check on the internet i've been you know 20 for 27 years (laughs) i'm pretty sure we could all we could all safely say that we've lied saying i agree that i am 18 or older oh absolutely (laughs) no no we've never told a lie Uh, especially never on the internet um but i think you know, if they wanted to reach out more and make it a little more inclusive, I would maybe say kind of make it an all-ages event. 
Um, yeah, and that was my thing too, because we had this we had this discussion about how some some panels were marked as quote unquote after dark, but they were, but <laughs> but they were not marked as eighteen plus, which made me very confused because I'm just like. Are they being just literal here? Do they mean after dark panels you as in literally not. after the sun has set? But they were not marked as 18 plus. It's like that's what it, it, it was implying. But at the same time, it wasn't marked. The... And also to go back to what you said, there's no way to enforce that either. So it was very confusing. The connotation for the average person, they understand what that means. And I will no longer argue this. Anyway, um, I will agree that it was kind of the same panel over and over, if that makes sense. Like, it was just... There was not a... I mean, I guess whoever emailed staff about it, there was not a very diverse panel offering, I guess. Um, I mean, only... And, and this is a very, like, subjective thing. There were only, like, three... There were only, like, three panels that I personally was interested in, and I feel like when I go to a regular convention, and of course they can't help this because it's an online thing put on by a handful of people, but I tend to find when I go to a convention there's at least four panels a day, depending on the size of the convention, that I'm like, okay, well, if that's, if I'm not busy, I'm gonna go watch that. Um, and I notice like... Not to pull this card, but literally every single presenter from the ones that I caught or heard about um, were men. And so there wasn't very, very much of a diversity. Not a lot of diversity, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. And um, even on the topics, there was not really diversity on the topics. And I noticed we sat in on that one panel that was never, I will not name it, but it was never brought back to anime in any capacity other than them just mentioning a few anime titles in it and um you know that yeah, it was a very fat it was a fascinating panel but mm -hmm. uh yeah you're absolutely right it didn't really tie back into anime right well. and that's one of my biggest peeves with uh conventions regularly as well is that you know i'm going to a japanese anime convention why is there a hamilton panel or why don't, is there oh, don't why remind is there me of that thing why is there a panel about on that? Why is there a panel about a YouTuber who does nothing who has nothing to do with anime? Like, you know, you it's not necessarily happened to me, but I've seen it to other people where it's like they have a really good panel and have a really good pitch that's related about, you know, the industry, the culture, whatever, and it's rejected. And then I see something like that on the schedule and I'm just like are you kidding me? Like, not to sound, not to sound uppity or whatever, but, you know, certain panels are like, we want you to, or certain conventions, rather, want you to bring it back to that, then why are you, why are you allowing this, I suppose? It's like, you're breaking your own rule. <laughs> because it doesn't matter if it's related to Japanese culture, or Japanese animation, or what have you, if it puts a butts in seats, it's a butt in a seat. Yes, but, you know... <laughs> While I somewhat agree with that, you are probably taking away something, like, that's a really good presentation for something... Oh, no, no, yeah. no. I, I completely agree with you. I was just sort of, you know, mocking the, uh, mocking the thought... Mo mocking the thought process. <laughs> no, I, I know. I don't... I hate, I hate the phrase devil's advocate, so I'll no, say okay. that one. Thank you, God. Um, the other thing, though, I don't know if I personally would submit to this, and we've talked about this in the chat before, but they give the MC the powerpoint and then 
they let the MC control the PowerPoint and there's just no way in heck that I could do that with my own panels because I've developed such a rhythm and a cadence with the way I tell jokes or cut to the next slide or whatever that I could feel comfortable giving somebody that power without just flopping. Oh, I feel that. I kind of, yeah, I kind of understand why they opted for that so that there wouldn't be so much like changing hands of like who's running the program and all that stuff mm-hmm. but at the same time yeah you're absolutely right i mean i i don't think i could do many of my panels that way especially mm-hmm. ones um and i know john and ryan you both kind of do that we all sort of do this we we use the medium of powerpoint to like make jokes and gags and stuff like that yeah half, using, of, my, like, half of my jokes are timing that i set based exactly. on what the, exactly like, exactly with yeah. the audience Mm-hmm. yeah exactly and that would have been very very difficult to do so we would have had to rework that mm-hmm. sort of stuff but thankfully it seemed like at least the fan panels that we set in on you know not really including the the industry panels because those are kind of different um but it looked like they were able to um either they don't normally do that themselves and this just is this is just the way their panels normally are mm-hmm. or they will they were able to adapt their existing material to more fit this sort of like somebody else has the controller sign right. kind of format the only no, way did. that i could see them like you know passing the torch effectively is either having like um the person do like a screen capture of themselves doing the panel in advance or advertising like the other person the person's uh like twitch channel so you could be like this panel's at this time go here to, yeah like, but mm-hmm. you know yeah, I think that would have made it very decentralized. So I don't really know what the correct answer is for this. Well, necessarily. also on Twitch, you can host other people. So like during the the panel time, they could just host the panelists like channel. Mm. I see that being yeah, like very maybe. possible. But also, I'm not really faulting them for having like not done the first yeah. one ever of this kind perfectly because nobody expected yeah. it to be right. And um, yeah, it was absolutely. it was a little jarring and. Um, Luckily, most of the people that we watched were good about building it in with the cadence of their speech, but it was very jarring to be like, and next slide, please, next slide, and next slide. I feel like I was just watching somebody's vacation photo slideshow. <laughs> I did consider submitting a panel of my slideshow from Bermuda. <laughs> oh, wow. And next slide, please. <laughs> but, it's all, but it's all in Japanese to make sure that it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Correct. But yeah, I think I think all in all, Anime Lockdown was a uh, very cool thing to do under these circumstances. I think that all in all, it was a pretty well-run show. I think I think um, they probably dodged a lot of technical bullets, mm-hmm. even though they were hit by some. And all of the panels that we went to, I thoroughly enjoyed. Well, most of the panels I went to, or we went to, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed because they were. They were from good panelists. Some of them we knew already. Some of them we got to see for the first time. And that brings up another thing about how this is a great example of sort of us being able to cross geographical lines to be able to see panels from people we otherwise wouldn't see. Like, for example, like Mike Toole from uh, Discotech, uh, he lives in the Northeast, so he really only goes to conventions up there or to conventions that invite him as a guest. And he has a lot of really cool panels. Like, Tori and I went to his panel on anime made by cults, and uh, that was me? extremely fascinating. You heard, yeah, him. you heard me. You heard me. Anime made by cults. You should look into it. It's fascinating. Wild. Okay. But, um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, it's. 
not every time we go to a convention that we're able to see a really cool mic tool panel. Uh, not every convention um, at Write Stuff and Discotech are not there at every convention. So it was really cool to actually hear from those people and see their stuff um, in a way that we couldn't have had we just been going to some of the cons <laughs> around here. We would have had to travel outside of uh, outside of our area to do that. And for some people, this was probably their first anime convention because there is, of course, a you know, a financial angle to attending any any anime convention, going to any con, even if it's in your neighborhood, uh, can be pretty expensive. You know, you got to pay for your badge, you got to pay for gas and parking and all that stuff at times. Not to mention the hotel room. So uh, I think I think that is kind of the core of the service that Anime Lockdown provided. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm excited to see kind of what the future of this sort of online con thing is going to look like because i feel like we've got a lot of like bandwagoning happening soon yeah, like funimation announced their own thing. just about to say funimation did it and i really wonder how that's going to be different because you know they have the money to back them so of course they sure. can do a lot more so i wonder are they taking fan panels for that or is it just industry and I, guests i have absolutely no idea i haven't okay. looked into it i don't think they've announced whatsoever. real details for it yet okay it'll be interesting to see the contrast between what annie lockdown did versus what Funimation's gonna bring because like mm-hmm. i said they've got the money money to make it happen sure sure so um yeah, it was cool. It was nice to be able to sit in on. Uh, there's definitely some room for growth and improvement, yeah. but uh, I think it's uh, uh, it's important to make space for that. They did pretty all right for the first go around, I will say. So, as we mentioned, this episode we're going to be talking about the 2019 smash hit series Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. Uh, truly a popular anime phenomenon. I remember going to Anime Weekend Atlanta last year, and I would dare to say that probably Demon Slayer was the most popular cosplay that I saw there. And at that time, I want to say that the anime was still ongoing. Um, I don't remember exactly which season it started coming out. I want to say maybe it was summer or fall of 2019. No, it started in February of... In February of 19? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it went on for two cores, so it was 25 episodes, 25 weeks, straight through, no breaks, and uh, so that was like half a year for people to really get into this show, and it seemed to really click with people uh, very very fast um i don't really remember this series being popular from whenever it was only the manga that was out here but i imagine that the manga probably was not out here too much before the anime and typically 
this is how it works in the United States is the anime is the thing that gets things popular and then people go back and visit the manga afterwards. Yeah, the manga is so, actually uh, relatively new. It's a show it's a newer yeah. shonen series and it started in 2016. Yeah, it's it's not particularly old at all. So the anime adaptation comes only, you know, 3 years after it has uh has first started and we did get an announcement, I want to say maybe a few weeks ago that I think both due to them getting to a place in the manga where they want to stop and also some editorial pressure related to uh, COVID-19 related things. The manga is actually going to be ending uh, this month. We're recording this uh, May 6th and they announced that the manga will be over sometime during this month. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the story wraps up. I'm excited to see how it, um, how it concludes. So uh, in, in, uh, Speaking relative to other Shonen Jump properties, this one is going to sort of, you know, start and stop fairly quickly. You know, whenever you stand it up next to, like, your Naruto's and your One Pieces and your JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Yeah, exactly. They sort of go on and on forever. But uh, it seems that, at least from what we know right now, of course, it could always come back again in the future. Uh, Demon Slayer is going to be sort of on the shorter end. But uh, it is certainly uh, super duper popular, and I think we've all witnessed that at uh, various conventions and uh, online. And you know, when people on Facebook are sharing memes from an anime, it has broken into the mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that is that is that is the tell, right? <laughs> but uh, speaking of tell, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba is about? Absolutely. In Taisho-era Japan, Tanjiro Kamado is a kind-hearted and intelligent boy who lives with his family in the mountains. He has become his family's sole source of income after the passing of his father, making trips to the nearby village to sell charcoal. Everything changes when he comes home one day to discover that his family has been attacked and slaughtered by a demon. Tanjiro and his sister Nezuko are the sole survivors of the incident, with Nezuko being transformed into a demon, but still surprisingly showing signs of human emotion and thought. After an encounter with Giyo Tomioka, a demon slayer, Tanjiro is recruited by Giyu to also become a demon slayer and begins his quest to help his sister turn human again and avenge the deaths of the rest of his family. Such demons, many slay. Wow. <laughs> Careful what you're writing there, because I you. will read it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask Ryan to read that bit because he added it in, but I like yours better. <laughs> yeah. This is why we should never add anything to the notes whenever we're prepping for the episode immediately before because it turns into horrible bun, meat. Bun. But anyway, bun bun, bun bun, bun bun, exactly. I love how I've made, like, during prep, I've just made stupid jokes for, like, the past three or four podcasts I've been on. Yeah, Ryan. And every single one of them has gotten on the actual (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Next one? Uh, No. You say that, but I'm going to have to try harder now. (laughs) We'll see. Very, very. Yeah. Y'all are a bunch of goofs, and that is totally fine (laughs) with me. That's why you have us here, man. Absolutely. All right. um, Let's see. Ryan, would you like to do the voice cast breakdown for us? So before we get into this, I have to ask, because this is a question that pretty much is asked anytime anybody watches an anime ever. Did you guys watch this subbed or dubbed? Tori and I watched it together, and yeah, we watched it in Japanese, but you actually watched it in an interesting way compared to how most of us typically watch anime. You actually watched it 
on. Adult Swim. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I wa- yeah, I watched it um um I watched the Adult Swim dub and I think that it had like because it was technically like the actual Adult Swim release, it may have been like a little compressed because there weren't like the middle breaks or and the opening was kind of short for whatever weird reason. Hmm. Um so it definitely was an experience watching like an Adult Swim release of something as opposed to like a regular release because i've never done that before so it was definitely so yeah what um what inspired you to watch like the tv broadcast version of this show rather than just watching it on like crunchyroll because i'm always a dub person if i can find a good one sure and uh i think it's always good to be like the voice the like the the other side of the spectrum like especially on like a podcast like this mm-hmm. um so I, I knew it was coming out, so I just started watching it. And really funnily, actually, the last episode came out, like, two days ago, like, the Saturday before we recorded this. So I was like, yep. oh, crap, am I actually going to be able to finish this on time? <laughs> and I was going to just watch the last couple episodes in a uh, sub if I wasn't able to, but the, it did come out in the nick of time. I just found that really funny. Um, But... Yeah, it, I just, I saw that it was coming out, and I tend to prefer English. I was like, let's see how they do. And then the first episode, I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty solid cast, and it didn't disappoint. Yeah, I mean, it's a Aniplex of America release show. They typically get really good dub casts. I think they uh, use the uh, California-based actors from, like, Bang Zoom Entertainment or some of the other... Um, places out there and they they tend to do a really good job i did see an article saying that crunchyroll i think and aniplex are actually teaming up to be able to release an affordable home video release for demon slayer because you know once aniplex gets it we basically have to become a six-figure ceo to even think about affording it <laughs> oh dear yeah um, they chose those they charge those really high like japanese premiums for all of yeah. their uh american releases of things i just have come to terms and went through the seven stages of grief over the fact that i'll never be able to own monogatari at all physically um but this is really exciting um because i know it's good to know this is it's a great show a lot of people have loved it and i think it falls into the category of if you know somebody who might not necessarily like anime show them this because it's kind of just like an every person show Mm -hmm. i am sure I actually did not watch it in either of those places. Okay. Uh, I, it's actually available on Hulu as well, and that's how I... It is yes, on Hulu, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, so that's how I got to it. Uh, it's a funny thing. Like, I wasn't even planning to be on this podcast. I had just, like, watched it because I wanted to. A friend had recommended it to me, and it was it was nice. And it's like, well, you know, it's here. It's As we had talked in the uh, last episode, I was in, I prefer devs more, but, you know, subs weren't bad. <laughs> and uh, I think in this one, the voice acting was, like, for a Japanese title was particularly well done. Like the like it was really clear what emotion was trying to come across. And I was usually I'm kind of like lukewarm when it comes to the sub, but like I was really happy with how this one turned out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great point, John. Because uh, you're you're not really uh, into the anime grind necessarily, like like the rest of us. Yeah, are. not nearly so as much. I guess yeah. I know that you had a friend recommend this show to you, but was there anything about it that specifically drew you to it 
rather than just being like, oh, that looks neat. I'll watch it one day and then never, ever watching it. Uh, I think being at home all the time kind of sparked that at first. Like, I was just kind of curious, being like, all right, I'll be nice. And we, he had actually, like, when he came over, we watched the first episode. I'm like, all right, uh, I don't have anything better to do. So, sure, I'll, I'll watch the next episode. And uh, just kind of seeing how it took a different direction that these shows tend to take, which I'm which I'm more than happy to get to a little bit later in the episode. Sure. Uh, I think that's really what made it stand out. It's not just the era or the t- secret techniques or, you know, mm-hmm. the sword combat or the demons or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you can find those just about anywhere. But I think it's, like, the message that the show was trying yeah. to say is really the mm-hmm. big selling point. Yeah, and I think we'll definitely get into that a little bit later. But, uh, Ryan, you want to jump into that voice cast for us? Yes, now that we know who prefers the superior method of watching anime. Um, <laughs> hey, I agree with you. I just didn't know it existed. On I'm Hulu, sorry. right? What? No, I'm the, I'm the inferior one. You guys oh. are all correct. Um, <laughs> I jumped size too uh, soon. No crap. Now, listen. Now we see John's all... true colors. <laughs> I mean, guys, we're watching cartoons. We're all equally inferior. Correct. Fair enough. So anyways, let's jump into this. So Tanjiro was voiced in Japanese by Natsuki Hanae. Uh, He was Kaneki Ken in Tokyo Ghoul and Lavi in D-Greyman. Zach Aguilar was uh, Genos in One Punch Man. Uh, Koichi in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Diamond is Unbreakable. I've actually noticed that I've seen Zach Aguilar in a lot of new dubs lately. Like, he's a pretty Mm -hmm. up-and-coming voice actor. Well, they've taken... All the old voice actors to the farm, and now they're letting the young puppies come in. <laughs> yeah, because the uh, the old voice actors couldn't keep their hands in their personal space. Uh, so, uh, it, I will note that Zach Aguilar is actually younger than we are. He was born in 1998. Yes, I, I looked into I looked into that while I was watching this because I was like, he's been in a lot, and then I was like, oh god, he's more successful and he's younger than me. Yeah, what am I doing with my You life? go, kid. You know, live that dream. Yeah, good for him, though. So, uh, Nezuko, for as, as little as she actually voiced um, <laughs> in Japanese, I guess grunting is voice work. It's like but... the oh, sure. it's like the voice actress who voices Frankenstein and Fate Go, because all she does is grunt as well. <laughs> so, you know, she's making cash money just to go, ugh. <laughs> Could you imagine getting into the voice acting game just to be just like, ugh, that's <laughs> just a professional grunter. Well, lest we forget the fact that they cast Kotono Mitsuishi, you know, the famous voice of Sailor Moon, yep. as Tai Yamada in Zombieland Saga, and all she and all does, she does, is, does is groan and drool. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway. <laughs> and she was Kotoko in Inspector. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, she was... Con- Kanata Konoe in Love Live and Niji Gaski. It... Hold on, let me do this. Yeah. It is the new Love Live group. Uh... Oh, okay. I thought that yeah. it was a, a different. I thought it was a different character in show. Mm-mm. I'm not familiar with Love Live. No, that's okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the new group. Niji Saki High. Okay. Okay. Yeah, wait, Nijigaski High. Okay, so that's Kanata that is a Konoe. Bit of a difficult, difficult word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's Kanata Niji Konoe Gaski. in Love Live Nijigaski High Group. Sure. Yes. Okay. There we go. Got it. <laughs> so in English, then we have Abby Trot, who is Annette in Fire Emblem Three Houses, Ghost Girl in Kaoru and Rilakkuma. 
So, I remember that episode. I liked that episode a lot. It's my favorite yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that she was like actually surprisingly good for like somebody who barely spoke because she had to yeah. do emotion basically with like grunting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like she spoke. There were like a couple of scenes where she like spoke in flashbacks or where she used her like blood demon art like the one mm-hmm. time. But other than that, she's she's the silent protagonist, which is mm-hmm. very interesting. Also, not really sure why that, like, in the context of the show, not really sure why she has to be. Like, I get at first they put the gag in her to stop her from, like, devouring people by accident. But we've proven in the show now that she has control over it. So I don't know why that's still a thing. Maybe probably for, like, extra precaution and sure. just, like, peace of yeah. mind for everybody else. It's yeah. probably not as much control as they are leading you to assume. That's probably true. Yep. It's probably, yeah, it's probably something that, like, sustains her stasis about not being able to, like, eat humans uh, or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, you bring up a great point because, I mean, it takes a lot of of uh, talent to be subtle in your acting. Mm-hmm. And I, I could easily see someone who is not as much of a talented actor like overdoing it with the grunts or like drastically underdoing it mm-hmm. um and even though nezuko like she i guess vocalizes very little in the show it's like whenever she does you can tell almost exactly what kind of emotion she is trying to convey in that moment and doing that with no words is, is definitely a feat right. yeah I wonder if they, like, actually had her, like, bite down on something while recording the lines Possibly. to make it sound as authentic as possible. Yeah. yeah, I know some voice actors have said that if they play a character that smokes a cigarette, they'll, like, put a pen in their mouth or something. Mm-hmm. I'd do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't smoke, but, you know. <laughs> no, don't um, smoke pens, kids. Yeah, yeah, don't smoke pens. That ink is bad for your lungs. Um, so, anyways, moving on uh, to Zenitsu. Uh, in Japanese, he was voiced by Hiro Shimono who's Connie Springer in Attack on Titan and Davi in My Hero. Um, I really like him as a voice actor in general. Like, Connie is one of my favorite characters in Attack on Titan, and I originally watched that subbed. So I definitely, like, recognized him when I was, like, sampling the Japanese. And I was like, oh, shoot, I definitely recognize him. And then mm-hmm. upon checking it, I was like, oh, yep, that's definitely him. Um, and his voice in uh, English is from a very, very lesser known voice actor by the name of alex lee um he's akira howard in astral train which if you don't know is a nintendo game that most recently came out and that's like the only thing besides zenitsu that he's really known for like zenitsu is definitely his most most prolific role out of everything he's done because he mm-hmm. he's fairly new onto the scene mm-hmm. we could talk about a little bit about zenitsu later yeah. i okay. would say <laughs> okay yeah. <laughs> so, so moving on then, we have Inosuke uh, in Japanese was voiced by Yochi- Yoshitsugu Matsukota. God, he's got two really no. difficult to pronounce names. Do you Yoshitsugu correct me? Matsuoka. Okay, <laughs> that. <laughs> so he he is known for being Kirito in Sao and Soma really? in Food Wars. Yeah. So he, he's been around for a while. I would have never Man, guessed. That, they are two very dynamically different absolutely. characters. Absolutely. <laughs> he's got some wild range if he is, you know, Kirito, Mr. Captain Boring Man, yeah. and also Inosuke, who's like 
it's extremely emotive and extremely unique in the way that uh, the he, way that he talks. I, I would I would kind of lead more towards psychotic, but yeah. yes, yeah. 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 No, you die right. in the game, you become a boar man. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, but then in English, a then in English, he was voiced by uh, Bryce Pappenbrook, who is also Kirito. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's also uh, Aaron Yeager in Attack on Titan. And Bryce yeah, Pappenbrook is like... He's been around. Yeah, he's been mm-hmm. around for a while. He's he's definitely one of my more favorite, like, Funimation uh, voice actors, though. He's he's in, like, everything they do nowadays. Yeah, he's he's kind of, um, you know, been, been a guy that's been... Like, if there's an anime dub, he's probably been in it for the last, yeah. like, decade or so. Yeah. So then, uh, Tori, do you want to take this one for me? Because I'm going to just butcher the pronunciation <laughs> of their name. Uh, Tomioka. Tomioka, and ja- thank you. Yes, Tomioka. Yeah, As- okay. Do you need me to go on from there? No, just the name. Okay, yes, Tomioka. So, Tomioka. Tomioka is voiced in Japanese by Takahiro Sakurai. Uh, he may or may not be related to Masahiro Sakurai. We are still doing research on that. Um <laughs> He is Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII, starring Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII in, like, everything, except for the remake, I believe. Um, He is also Shogo Makishima in Psycho Pass. Then in English, we have the boy Johnny Yong Bosch, who is Leo in Promare, uh, Isaiah in Durara, and Lelouch from Code Geass. We actually got to meet him, um, what, like, four years ago at this point at triad mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. he's, really nice he's another guy that gets around he's he's probably more so than bryce pappenbrook if you've watched anime at all ever in english you've, you've probably heard, heard yeah. JYB. Yeah. he's been less prolific recently i feel like but he stills around i mean he's ichigo in bleach you've heard him that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay so moving on then we have uro kodaki uh in Japanese, I'm going to try that again. Okay, so moving on, we have Uro Kodaki, who in Japanese is voiced by Hochu Otsuka, who is Zigbar in Kingdom Hearts. Yo. And he is Jiraiya Sensei in Naruto. Uh, and then in English, they are voiced by Brooke Chalmers, who is Pulpo in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. That's the newest extremely... season, right? Yes, yes, he's an extremely large, very disgusting Mosquito monster man. man. <laughs> yeah. So, Muzan, then, was voiced by Toshihiko Seki, who is Aruka-sensei in Naruto, and Ruvik in The Evil Within. That's a hey, very... I just beat that game. Nice. Oh. That is a very they... interesting, like, dichotomy of characters they right there. They actually brought back Michael Jackson from the grave. Interesting. To play Muzan? To play God, Muzan, yes. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly based on him by that look, with that hat and the hair and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No joke. Yeah, the first appearance of Muzan, actually, I was like, that was that was what made me confused as to when this took place, because I was like, uh, ev- up until now, everybody looks like ancient Japan, and he's dressed mm-hmm. like a modern, like, mafioso, so, well, like... Well, fun fact, this seems to be one of the only, if not very few, series that takes place in the Taisho era, um, mm-hmm. which was 1912 to 1926, and, um... Most stories don't tend to take place in that time, I guess, because it's kind of like the beginning of the modernization of Japan. So it's like electricity and cars and those things. 
Um, where yeah. I guess when you see most anime stories or manga stories, it's either like we're in feudal Japan or we're in modern day Japan. You get one or yeah. the other, and that's all that matters. Especially yeah. if it's like sword play, Chanbara, like stories where it's like mm-hmm. you know samurai and ninjas and stuff like that. It's almost it's almost always taking place like during the warring states or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Taisho era is much more modern, like you said. So mm-hmm. it really did. It took me by surprise too. Whenever like around episode. Eight, eight or nine or so whenever um tanjiro and nezuko come into the city and it's like mm-hmm. all electricity and it's all lit up and people are dressed a little bit more modernly and that yeah probably or also like has... western right yeah, and, and that co- probably the cops has a lot were like to do. 20s cops and i was like that was like that i had to pause right there and look it up because i was so confused mm-hmm. right and that probably has a lot to do with classism um because tanjiro's family is very poor and so they're still mm, kind yes. of dressed traditionally and the mm-hmm. people who live in the city probably have a little bit more money to kind of afford the luxuries of living in a city, which is electricity, mm. modernized clothing, etc. So The toilet. A toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An indoor toilet? Wow. Exactly. And uh, he also in English was voiced by Greg Chun, who is Ryoji in the Neon Genesis Evangelion redubs mm-hmm. and Aragaki in Megalobox. Nice. Uh, My favorite character is coming up next. Okay. Do you want to take him then? Oh, sure. Our wonderful crow, the Kasugai crow, uh, is voiced in Japanese by Takumi Yamazaki, who is very fittingly Dara in Tamako Market. Mochi is not nasty. Remember that. And Ares in Saint Seiya. In English, he is voiced by Doug Erholtz, who is, speaking of Lupin III, he is Zenigata in Lupin III, and also Squall Landhart in a lot of Final Fantasy, which is so wild (laughs) because his Zenigata voice and his Squall voice could not be further apart <laughs> is he also is he leon in uh, kingdom hearts or no I yeah yeah so. he plays yeah. okay cool mm-hmm. ah, yeah, Lupin, um... i'm gonna arrest you this is my gun blade <laughs> yeah the crow like was the one character that i was just like him existing really takes me out of like the intensity of this show because yeah for the first like what four episodes or something and not zenitsu <laughs> i mean Yes, but also, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were introduced to Crow earlier. Um, it's yeah. very, it's very over the top comic relief. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he he was like, "This is your messenger, Crow," and I was like, "Oh, they must have like a telepathic link, or he's just going to be like a fast Crow who ties messages." Nope, he just screams at the top of his lungs, <laughs> and I was just, like, <laughs> I was just like, "Could you not talk?" Because. Right up until you, this was a very serious show, and I was enjoying the darker tone of it. <laughs> but, like, it was just ridiculous to me, but he did grow on me. But at first, I was just like, I really wish he didn't talk. All right, so moving on then, next up we have Shinobu, who in Japanese is voiced by Saori Hayayami, and they voiced Shoko Nishimiya in a silent voice, and Chiriko Surumi in Anohana. For her English voice, we had Erica Harlicker, who is on in Persona 5. We just talked about her recently. And Violet in Violet Evergarden. Both very good yeah. roles. Violet Evergarden, yep. Violet Evergarden. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So to go into a little bit of background on the production here, of course, Demon Slayer is produced by Studio Ufotable, or UFO Table, if you want to say it weird, uh, which is the pretty legendary studio these days behind most of the Fate franchise adaptations. They've done the big uh, flagship ones, including Zero and Unlimited Blade Works and the Heaven's Feel movies and things like that. They've also done the Garden of Sinners movies, among many other things. Uh, the director, Haru, Haruo Sotozaki, uh, who's mostly, he's mostly actually a key animator on things and does character designs for some things. Um, he is not somebody that is necessarily known for his directorial ability because he's honestly kind of green like he's been in anime for quite a while but as a head director on things he's still a little bit new uh he's done some uh solo directing on a lot of the tales of anime ovas uh he also weirdly in my uh research on him he's done a lot of episode 12s of things like he's directed been the animation director on episode 12 of the woman called fuchiko mine Earth, Earth Girl Arjuna, Tales of Zestiria the Cross. So maybe he's got a weird, like, episode 12 thing about him. I don't know. That's not, not very important. I just thought that was funny and interesting. That is, yeah. Um, so the script writer, of course, this is based on a, uh, a manga series. So it is, of course, based on that. Um, but there's no one writer necessarily, and there's been multiple directors for every episode. The music is a co-production between the legendary Yuki Kajura, who is, of course, extremely famous for the Queen, indeed. <laughs> she is very famous for her soundtracks um, for Madoka Magica and for Fate Zero. And back in the day, she did Dot Hack Sign. So she's done a ton of absolutely wonderful and iconic uh, soundtracks. Uh, this, and she's also collaborated with another musical artist, Go Sheena. Um, for this uh, series and Sheena himself has done the musical work for series like Kyoso Giga he's also going to be um, is this the original did he work on the original Gyo anime is that the one there's only one yeah yeah I'm sorry I, I forgot that there was only one so yeah mm -hmm. he did the music for the Gyo anime which is based on a Junji Ito work and a lot of his um, music or well he also worked a lot on the God Eater series, which was another ufotable thing from a couple of years ago. Our character designer, of course, because these are adaptations of the original manga's uh, character designs, uh, are from Akira Matsushima, who is mostly an animation director and a key animator, and he worked on a lot of things like Eureka 7, Fruits Basket 2019, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, so he gets around for sure. And then, of course, our original mangaka is Koyoharu Gotoge, and they tend to not, they, much like our um, friend Paru Itagaki, the <laughs> author of Beastars, they like to keep their identity pretty concealed, mm -hmm. so they always draw themselves as an alligator wearing glasses, which is pretty adorable. That's kind and, of uh, ironic uh, considering we compared him to Beastars, where everything is literally an animal. <laughs> yeah, yes, there you go. From my research, I don't think the gender or identification of the mangaka has been confirmed, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know enough of reading name kanji to know whether that is a particularly gendered writing of a name um mm -hmm. so i don't know if yeah, from, interesting. From, from what i'm aware they prefer like uh, uh gender uh like uh what's the word i'm looking for non-binary pronouns neutral. yeah 
mm-hmm. gender neutral pronouns. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. More um, and more mangaka are starting yeah. to not that they didn't exist before, mm-hmm. but more mangaka are starting to identify that way. And I don't know if it's because they don't want any preconceived notions attached to their work, or because they genuinely identify that way i think yeah. that would be a very interesting thing for somebody much smarter than i to kind of write a, like a paper or something on i would love <laughs> to hear more about that um mm-hmm. because the side tangent the mangaka for um our dreams at dusk i actually legitimately identifies as non-binary uh, so i would be very fascinated to hear more about that it would yeah, be a very it. it would be a very wise tactic though if you were ch- trying to re- maintain completely like anonymous to identify mm-hmm. as non-binary so they couldn't be like oh i think that's that person on the street because you re- literally yeah. wouldn't be able to tell that's that's fair sure yeah, yeah. that's very yeah, that's very that's cool though very mm-hmm. good point and a lot of mangaka or well maybe not a lot but some mangaka are just very secretive about their personal lives in a way because they're very private people mm-hmm. um especially uh certain ones that like to conceal their face and whatnot but uh demon slayer is loosely based on an original 45 page work from 2013 that gotoge wrote and uh, from what i was reading with a interview with the publisher of demon slayer that the original concept went through a lot of different sort of uh evolutions as it went along they always kind of wanted to go with something that had like a very japanese motif to it um but with the inclusion of like more and more characters and like sword fighting and demons and things like that uh it it ended up becoming something that they thought was going to have extreme like mainstream appeal um because it was sort of mixing all of these things that are sort of um you know, tent poles of what you want to see in, um, like, Shonen Jump manga or, like, more long-running sort of uh, action manga and things like that. So they, they, the editor actually described the manga as being hyper-mainstream, which is very interesting. Uh, he, uh, he says that because, you know, it's, a, it's an action manga that also really captures human nature and human beings' ability to overcome adversity and to grow and uh, fight against uh, villains who de- deserve to be fought against. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting take about how they're very, they're very transparent that this manga is not necessarily something that hasn't been done before, but that it just sort of synergizes a lot of things that people already liked in sort of action manga sort of things. And I think that really bears it out in the, um, in the sales as well, because as of February of this year, over, over 40 million copies of the manga have been sold, which has actually beaten out One Piece, beaten out the king wow. on, the Oricon, <laughs> on the Oricon 2019 comic rankings chart. It's actually the fifth, the fifth best-selling manga in Oricon's history. So yeah, as you said, take that, Bill Foreman. <laughs> that, that is I had to amend though. my notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> that that is interesting though that they like attempted to make this hyper mainstream because they just realized mm-hmm. it could be. Because normally yeah. when you like try mm-hmm. super hard for something like that, it comes off as disingenuous and it fails. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, I guess they were right. Well, I think the transparency yeah. of them being like, uh, yeah, we know this wasn't an idea that hasn't been done before, and it that's that's kind of like. Why? What I always describe the show as, it's, you know, this this show has no business being as good as it is, but it is the parts separately that make the whole so good. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll be very excited to talk about um, the character dynamics and the actual, like, 
humanization of the demons and things, but it just, the parts of it so uniquely, even though they follow similar story beats to other things, Mm -hmm. come together to just make something so different and cool and, yes, very mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you brought it up, Tori, so I'd say let's just go around the table and be like, well, what, what about Demon Slayer really clicked with you that maybe other long-running shonen action anime have not so much Mm -hmm. because you know a lot you know we've all watched our fair share of anime but i don't think any of us would say that like necessarily shonen action is really our bread and butter oh i I would 100 percent, i would (laughs) okay well that's i mean that's cool that's cool um so i I guess so this is ryan's last episode on the podcast (laughs) no no that's fine i have I have nothing against, uh, you know, shonen action battler swordplay shows. It's just really not my thing necessarily. So I guess, Ryan, mm. you know, what to you sets Demon Slayer apart from, like, your Naruto's of the world? And I think we might all have very similar thoughts about this question, but go ahead. For simplicity, I'm just going to refer to their special abilities as jutsus because I can't remember <laughs> what they're actually called. <laughs> And it's much. I don't know if they ever call them anything. Yeah. Isn't it just like, like breathing? They're, they're, they're like breathing it's techniques. It's like total concentration, yeah. something like that. Yeah, they yeah, all yeah. follow yeah. that specific yeah. naming. Anyways, breath magic. Yeah, breath magic. Yeah. So, anyways, um, the way that they stylize their jutsus is like far and away better than any show that I've seen has done before. Like him doing like water breathing looks absolutely like beautiful like art wise like it looks like it's actual ink like coming out of his sword whereas in like hero aka um deku just starts kind of getting a little electrical like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so much more stylized like it's well thought out and like there are a couple a couple characters that aren't necessarily as good at like the full breadth of their abilities but they have like limited things so it does a very good job of not making everybody overpowered and does a good job of just like actually giving each character like really unique traits and like ones that are very unusual for a shonen like you have some of the stereotypical roles but you also have ones that aren't very common like like, Inosuke is definitely the Sasuke character, which is what me and my <laughs> friends call the Edgelord. Um, but also, he is not, like, obnoxious. He, well, he is, but we love him for it. Um, he only has a mild depression arc, and then after that, he's fine. Exactly. Mm. And he, he, <laughs> Take he, a little yeah. soft depression as a treat. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> he, he has, like, his own quirks, and you can tell that he's, like, his own person. Like, while he's... When he gets his new swords, he just immediately is like, they're not correct because they aren't jagged and just fixes the problem. Like That probably hurts worse, though. I was saying that it probably hurts worse when that goes in and then pulls back out because it's like grabbing all the stuff around it. So. I don't know if it's very efficient for like an actual sword wielder, though. I thought about that while I was watching it, but I was just like, I don't need to I don't be really thinking about think... this right now. I don't really think Inosuke is interested in efficiency. I think he's just <laughs> interested in ripping flesh. Yeah he, yeah, he just really hates demons, so he wants them to all die. I'll rip yeah. your breasts off, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that so, killed me. Yeah. Like, um, it, it pretty much was that, and, like, the, you don't really see it very often. I mean, I guess Bleach did it kind of where, like, they have hollow forms or whatever, but you don't really see 
the villain like the the villain characters like in this case demons immediately become like relatable and his sister right away you're rooting for her to like not eat his face off and become human again and then he meets some friendly demons very shortly after and that's probably the biggest thing is the pacing for me we met muzan less than halfway through the series and he Mm -hmm. he 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 is the final boss so that's very interesting to me So yeah, Ryan, you touched on sort of the relatability and the humanization of the enemies, and I'm pretty sure that that's one, I mean, that's definitely one big thing that drew me to it, but uh, Tori, did you want to talk about that specifically? Because I know that's something that really resonated with you. Certainly. Um, So I do agree with Ryan talking about, like, how cool their powers were, and I I thought that uh, within the world that they set, it all kind of felt really realistic. Um, You know, nobody was doing, like, crazy supernatural like it just felt very like organic like from within the body and um Mm. nobody started out super overpowered tanjiro and like everybody else all worked very hard to be where they were um and they weren't just like magical special teens that woke up with like exactly right exactly right and here's my thing deku broke every bone in his body there's no way he's gonna keep going and that yeah. to me <laughs> takes me out of it and i will say but Tanji- he ate the magical hair Tori. <laughs> he ate the magical hair <laughs> no listen i don't care who you are if you break every bone in your body you're done yeah. like how are you even moving um that aside Tanjiro is one of three shonen protagonists that do not annoy me. Um, the other one being Alan from Degray Man <laughs> and um, and um, Gon from Hunter Hunter. And uh, I don't know. I lost do, the, do the JoJo's count or not? I was just about to say, barring all the JoJo's, because I love them all, every single one, for better or worse. But yes, they do sure. count. Mm-hmm. Um you know, usually when they annoy me, they bring it back to a way that's, like, nicely charming. And I'm like, oh, you silly rascal. <laughs> like a pair of brand new underwear on New Year's Day. Absolutely. Um, oh, Josuke. Anyway, but I I find everybody, even though most of them fall into those shonen tropes a little bit, mostly Zenitsu, mostly that little brat. Um, they're all bearable. Like, they have a lot of character development. It never feels like too much. Um, yes, the pacing can be a little weird, and I sort of blame that one on this being the director, like, the overall director's first show, and that's okay. Like, I don't mean that necessarily as a strong criticism. And also the fact that, um, there's a different writer for each episode, so, you know, it's kind of hard, I think, to be able to pass the torch from one person to another and make the pacing and things like that kind of stick their landing every time. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I to be honest, though, I applaud the pacing because it doesn't waste your time. It gets right to true, the point. But mm. I think sometimes it moved too fast and I didn't get enough of what I wanted. And then sometimes it just dragged on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, come on. But That, that, um, is, that is true. But um, I think... I think um, Gotoge is very good at writing characters, heroes or villains that you kind of root for um, and want to see them succeed no matter what. Um, So 
many of the demons, I got so teary-eyed because I was like, oh my god, like, they're, they're bad because they had a hard life and they just wanted things to get better. And, oh. I'm pretty sure <laughs> so, that every single demon, without exception, like, regretted their decisions, like, mm-hmm. by the The by only the one I feel like didn't was maybe the spider dad, but they didn't really go into a whole lot because he just seemed to be a jerk no matter what. Well, the, so the, I, the, I, the spider one, I'm, like, I would more so think was, like, the kid. Right, and yeah. I, I definitely want to talk about that later. But um, another thing, I I think the the dynamic between Tanjiro and Nezuko is so wholesome. And I know they discussed this on the Awesome Cast episode. And I was like, oh, God, finally somebody else pointed it out. But the entire time, I was like, oh, they're going to start pandering to that weird thing there. They're going to start pandering to that there. Oh, no. Oh, no. But they never did that. And... Tanjiro and Nezuko were just so holy and innocently able to, like, express their love for each other and their fighting drive for each other, and um, Tanjiro going to basically the ends of the earth to make sure his one last family member is okay, and I think it would have been just as well written if it had been his brother or whatever, but um, that dynamic to me is just so sweet, and I'm always rooting for him, I'm just like, yeah, do your best. And then Nezuko is just like, I don't need a man. And grows like 50 <laughs> times her size and <laughs> kills somebody. Or shrinks 50 times yeah. her size. Yeah. Oh, God, I know. But um, <laughs> She's like, like I'm asleep it... for two years and then I'm a kick-ass. <laughs> Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just think it's so many little pieces that are so charming and so well-written that come together to make the whole. And... The characters aren't overly annoying. The only thing that stuck out to me is when all the higher level Hashira show up and everybody looks like they just walked out of Bleach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, they those, they those screamed. They, they screamed Shonen A rank. Absolutely. So I'm interested to see where the movie and the second half of this series is going because that's the kind of stuff that I necessarily don't like in shonen shows and a few of them look a little more normal than others like i think shinobu um the pink haired girl um the sleepy boy like some of them looked absolutely normal tomioka for instance but um there's some that are comedically designed so i'm very interested to see how they play out but um i don't know i just want to know more uh I heard some manga spoilers, and if that's the way it's going to go, I'm probably going to be disappointed. But I really just hope everything is okay for Tanjiro and Nezuko, and it works out to the best that it can with make, like, um, sorry, hold on. Um, I hope everything works out for Tanjiro and Nezuko, and the story wraps up in a way that makes sense, but is also satisfying. So, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Um, Sure. And I guess my other thought is, I just feel that the animation is what made it so enticing and so um what's the word i'm looking for so like when i watch shows i tend to get distracted very easily but whenever i had this on i never broke my eyes from the screen and you know a lot of that had to do with the visuals and those visuals making these characters come to life and the story come to life and it's good. I don't know, man. It's good. It's got no business being good, but it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, like I, I think a lot of things just ended up aligning in this particular show. Like we've got mm-hmm. a a pretty strong. I mean, I admittedly haven't read the manga, but it's it's pretty popular and it sells extremely well. We've got this manga that's you know got a great you know uh, blueprint uh, in this story, a story that is uh, appealing to a wide variety of people, and it follows you know this main character and his sister in this extremely earnest. Um, journey that they go on together just sort of surviving after this horrible thing that happens to them and that's so compelling and Tanjiro sort of represents the best of humanity right it's like he's a kid that has um, you know experienced untold trauma but he decides mm-hmm. to continue to see the good in people no matter what even that if was... it's the demons that he tries to fight against right and that was going to be another thing that i brought up i feel like most shonen protagonists are so painfully and stupidly naive but i find tanjiro to be very realistic like he expects good things to be able to happen and he expects good things from people and the demons and the monsters that he fights but he, it never it never gets him to down. He has such compassion, but does not tend to dwell whenever he is disappointed by somebody doing something bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's because, you know, he's able to take his personal experiences and sort of project those out and give people and uh, the demons themselves sort of the benefit of the doubt because, like, he knows it himself that demons have, you know, they may be, you know monsters and do horrible things and kill people but he also knows at the same time that he has a demon sister that hangs out on his back and like she's not evil you know she was able to be saved um i think he is realistic enough to know that not all not every demon is capable of being saved but he also understands that there is a inherent humanity still left in those in those uh in those um, people and I think that bringing it back around to D. Gray Man that's actually something that I thought of whenever we were first watching this show Mm -hmm. because I think D. Gray Man is a little bit different because um, there is of course the Millennium Earl who basically manipulates and kind of tricks these broken people into becoming the Akuma or whatever but all of the Akuma are basically um, you know broken people who are kind of like so angry and so violent that they've sort of lost their humanity and that's mm-hmm. kind of what the demons are like in this show too and like if i recall correctly in d gray man like every akuma that gets defeated they sort of have that um life flashing before their eyes mm-hmm. moment it's where been they... a long time since i've watched d gray man yeah me too so don't don't quote me on this 100 percent verbatim but i think it's like they there's always this sequence where they sort of reflect on their you know past flaws and the things that caused them to sort of give in to the millennium earl and things yeah. like that the, dif- the difference there is that. like if i recall correctly akuma choose their fate they do and yeah. the they demons do. don't like they're just they're yes. cursed basically right um the 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 choice there is sort of like the millennium earl sort of takes these extremely vulnerable people and basically manipulates them into quote-unquote choosing to become akuma but they don't they're, they're kind of tricked too because most of the time it's like a it's like a monkey's paw thing where he's like i will resurrect your dead loved one or something if you do this thing for me and then it's kind of a faustian bargain where mm-hmm. they get turned into you know horrible creatures because of it but um but it's really more the angle of the villains being 
uh, humanized, and Tanjiro also seeing that and being able to recognize that. Yeah, um, he also he always like, says a prayer like while they're dying. He's right, just like re- he's like rest in yeah. peace, and your your like trauma right. is over, like something. Yeah, like that. he right. gives them one final moment of humanity even after they've lost theirs, and that got me right in the heart. <laughs> yeah. There was like one. Yeah, I think it was the. I think it was the mutated demon that he just like held its hand while it was dying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dang. kind of gone on a little bit about this and kind of gotten away from the initial question but john what what about demon slayer initially drew you to it to say that hey there's something unique here um i think you guys had actually touched on most of the points i was going to bring up i think it was the compassion he had like as you guys are probably aware of um i got into roroni kenshin that was my first manga ever and the protagonist is kind of cut from the same cloth like he's not necessarily he had already like been to war and so he didn't wish to fight anymore so he had carried a lot of regret from a lot of the actions he had done and wanted to atone um as far as uh tanjiro goes again he's he's innocent hasn't had to deal with that so with a lot of his battles he kind of has that regret immediately it's like most characters usually have to be thrown into a situation and then they once they have time to reflect that's when they start to think, well, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing to do? Is killing people, demons, whatever, like, is it really, truly moral? And right. uh, I think Tanjiro understands that what he's doing isn't really the right thing to do, but it's like a necessary thing to do. And I think that's why whenever the battle is finished, when he at least has stamina left afterwards, there's always this air of sadness and compassion with him because he knows what he's done hasn't, wasn't the right thing to do deep down. And uh, as you guys said, like, he knows that these are really just people who have been cursed and that wasn't really their choice. Or if it was, they was out of desperation. So even if they chose to go down this path, like, that doesn't make them evil or selfish. There's desperate people trying to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I think that's very, um, very telling because, you know, Tanjiro has an amazing ability that is, I think, excellently conveyed in the show to really like see between the lines of people like he can read people really really well Mm -hmm. and i think that that comes across most notably whenever they're fighting the spider family Mm -hmm. and he can tell that like the spider mom is like just kind of praying for death even though she's kind of like fighting against him yeah Yeah. so 
like he basically gives her like a mercy death mm-hmm. it's just, like she he can tell that she is you know suffering she hates doing what she's doing she's under you know constant pressure from these from both like her spider boy um and the um really abusive like demon dad um and she just wants to escape uh, and he basically gives like mercy kills her for that and is able to recognize all of that but even going but on even with, with that one that still took a toll on him you could see it like he still yeah. didn't want to do that even, even though she right. wanted that that still wasn't the answer that he wanted to give right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point about how it's it it is a morally complex thing. It's just like Tanjiro knows that like on some level these demons are still people, but he's just like I am put into a, this extremely difficult moral situation where it's just like if I don't like fight these demons, they're going to go out and kill more people and turn more people it's, into demons. I think it's more difficult in this story, but like maybe because they still have a shred of humanity left like they're still like they remember who they were as a human they remember the things they've gone through no demon or enemy has showed up quite yet at least um because you know i'm trying to get through the manga just to see but none of the enemies have shown that have shown up so far are so far gone that they don't have any retention of who they were as a human being Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know and often it takes that battle to sort of shake it out of them because even the even the most one of the most nefarious sort of villains that shows up in these first 25 episodes is the little spider boy and we are shown his full backstory Mm -hmm. we see exactly how he got to that point you know he was born extremely frail and then he decides or he is offered again sort of like a faustian bargain from muzan to be like i will make you stronger if i turn you into a demon and then because of that what he kills like his he kills his family Mm -hmm. His family, yeah. It's like his mom, his dad, and his brother. Yeah. And then he initially feels bad about that, but Muzan basically tells him that he has to shed all of that empathy in order to become powerful, and he gives into that. Um, But as he's dying in... uh, After his and Tanjiro's fight, he sort of has a a, um, change of face, I guess. And I I think it's interesting to see that even within that moment he was still kind of lost about, like, how he got there. Like, he still wasn't really sure, like, how he was supposed to feel until, like, the very end. And I think that just speaks to how easy it is to get lost under this curse, this power. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the other thing I really liked about this show is that combat had weight to it. Like, when you see shows like uh, One Piece or... um, bleach or anything else that's got like the supernatural element to it like these guys will get pummeled and pummeled and they'll be like nah man i'm still good they'll fight like i think you you hockey show is another good one because these guys will just like take fight after fights after fights and they'll still keep fighting even though like you clearly have broken several ribs if not punctured your lungs you need to lay down and rest <laughs> at least for five minutes right take a time out but for uh this show like if when they got hurt they got messed up I think, um, yeah. Oh, I the the ball demon and the directional demon. I'm for, I'm blanking on the names here, but like there were the. I don't, I don't remember names names either. But, <laughs> oh, like the, you mean like the Tamari girl with all the yes, arms? Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And the yeah. Demon she was that, cool. And the hand eyes dude that accompanied her. Yeah, them. Um, mm, I think yeah. when after he was able to take care of uh the handsy one, like he was like Tanjiro <laughs> was no longer able to fight. Like he like. He could feel his body yeah. broken, and there was an, even 
his indomitable spirit was not enough to overcome the physical uh, maladies. Yeah, yeah, they tricked her into death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I do have to say, when Nezuko popped out and started playing soccer with that girl... <laughs> that was amazing. I lost my mind. Oh, it was so, so good. good. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge... And I think this is... I mean, this... For me, this is what gave the show some more gravity, because it has a real sense of the mortality of each character. Mm-hmm. It's like, Zenitsu gets extremely close to straight-up dying, you know, when uh, in the spider fight, because if he gets poisoned. If only we were so lucky. Yeah, like had uh, Shinobu and uh, the other guy, the freaking uh, Squall Leonhardt looking face dude. Didn't, Tomioka? Uh, yeah. Tomioka, yeah. Uh, if if they didn't, if they hadn't shown up, you know, they they all all three of them, all three of them probably would have been, you know, destroyed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tanjiro gets really hurt, and then a lot of the latter half of the show, which to Tori's point did kind of lag a little bit, but I sort of forgive that because I know we're coming into a major arc mm-hmm. uh, soon with the train stuff. Um, they spent a good portion of the ep- the final episodes of the season like recovering from that extremely difficult fight, and it's not too much. Um, downtime I don't think that it really mm-hmm. breaks up the show in a horrible way mm-hmm. but I think that sort of just goes to the point of illustrating that these characters have mortality like they are like whenever they go into these fights it's like there is a real danger of death they are like children they could, they... who need immense therapy yes oh absolutely <laughs> that is a huge given I'm sure the demon core uh, counselors are constantly booked oh, up geez. I sure hope so <laughs> But like I yeah. would say that Underpaid, that, mor- sure. that that like feeling of mortality like that even goes to for the demons as well. They're not like sure. impervious either. Sure, they can grow their limbs back and they're like they got some more supernatural abilities. But like again, they you, it just takes one clean hit, and I think that really is kind of more realistic in a combat sense. Like especially mm-hmm. in that time period, like sword battles came down to like an instant. Like it wasn't like very drawn out battles. It came down to whoever struck the fastest or like was the smartest as far as striking. So it didn't last very long, and uh, I think the yeah, show. Yeah, it's kind not of... like it's not like freaking Naruto where you have like a com- a combination explosion of lightning and fire. And you have a couple scratches on your face. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. no, if that happens, your torso is gone. Right, exactly. And even with the more like over-the-top anime sort of magic stuff going on, is that they reserve a lot of that stuff, and they sort of ho- they hold their powder a little bit. And whenever you get big moments where Tanjiro uses like his Hokusai wave sword attack or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that feels so much more impactful because he doesn't do it every episode. Every single attack, yeah. yes. Absolutely. Also, the way he specifically uses his attacks are very smart. Yes, like yes, he he's it shows like him learning the forms, and then in practice, he's just like, well, this one works particularly well underwater, so I'm gonna do that, and it's consistent mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. you just see the moves that he uses in certain situations being used in similar ways, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that rather than him just having like his trump card attack for everything. Mm-hmm. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about Tanjiro and sort of the overall sort of 
morality of the show. So, um, but uh, I think we should transition more into talking about some of like the side characters. Like, well, not necessarily the side characters, but the the main characters that aren't Tanjiro, like Nezuko and yeah. Osuke and Zenitsu. So, whoever wants to start in with talking about uh, some of them feel free i want more of zenitsu because that dude has a split personality is not aware of it and his split personality is a badass and i want to know how he's made it this far with like his panic-stricken personality being dominant i i, I could do with the panic-stricken <laughs> yeah. version taking about 50 xanax next time though just just, just calm yeah, down just a little bit um i really disliked him and I thought when we got more of his backstory, I was going to be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I take it back. And then he just kept doing it. He kept being annoying. And he kept being a weird pervert and yeah. just screaming and yelling. And that's my, that is my biggest hate with Shonen is when people are just yelling constantly. I don't like when people do that in real life. I, I don't want to hear it for like 50 episodes. Ep- hold on. Episodes. I don't want to hear it for 50 episodes of one show either. Fair um, enough. Tori, this, is all, this series is only 25 episodes. <laughs> you know what I mean. It will be. It's 50, probably going to be 50. It's done. Yeah. Exactly. True. It's going to be 50 when it's over with. But I, I do I wish... agree to a degree. But like, I thought when we got his backstory that it was actually very interesting that he was not like super amazing perfect child he only mm-hmm. knows the one move <laughs> I know that is that is very very funny it's like uh Megumi and only knowing how to do explosion magic and that just yes. like ruins everything around her and that's that literally is where my mind went with that and I don't even like that show so thanks <laughs> yeah Zenitsu I also am not a huge fan of I think probably his antics are a little bit more tolerable in the manga and yeah. no no disrespect to his uh voice actor or whatever but like he didn't write dang, is he shrill yeah. yeah, he is so shrill. But like, that's so yeah, funny because isn't Dobby, doesn't Dobby kind of like talk like this or something? Yeah, he's very low, like very dulcet tones. Yeah. But Zenitsu is just like so <laughs> screaming all the time. And like, I think that's what Why bothered you me the most. Me? <laughs> yeah, him, him being like very, you know... Uh, anime pervy towards some of the women is like very it uncomfortable. Was, it was but, worse like, with the little girls in the butterfly mansion. Yeah. I, I, I will weird, say but... to Zenitsu's and Inosuke's credit, they are much better at learning than Tanjiro was. Because Tanjiro had to dedicate mm. himself for weeks to like master like constantly doing the uh, breathing, the total concentration technique. And mm-hmm. they caught up in like not even half the time. Like they just had to get motivated to do that. So like to me, yeah. they have hidden potential. The only reason I don't say they're more powerful then Tanjiro it was because of the flashback he had of his father during the Spider Village mm-hmm. fight, which means his potential mm-hmm. could exceed even more so than what they can. So I think he's still going to be more powerful, think- but he had to work way harder than they did in order to get to the point mm-hmm. where he was at, and they just had to like apply themselves right. to get there. Mm-hmm. And if you, well, I think I think some of that is a bit of cinematic convenience, just mm-hmm. kind of getting it getting it to move along. Yeah, I hear I'm you're still te- I'm, we do know we canon, do know that he spent like. Yeah, we, we do know he spent like two and a half years trying to break a rock. Yeah. John, do I need to explain to you what a metaphor is? <laughs> um, no, I actually found that kind of funny because I was thinking like, well, yeah, that's kind of real life. Like somebody can bust their butt to be good at something for their entire life and some little a-hole shows up and is good from it 
good for it for the first, hold on, good at it from the first try and um, kind of find that a little hilarious. I don't think that's what they were going for, mm-hmm. but. Um, like we've, we've almost got a hundred episodes of this podcast and we still suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that Zenitsu gets a little more palatable when Inosuke shows up, mm-hmm. but I almost don't think that because then he starts to yell more because Inosuke is also annoying, mm-hmm. but in a much more like digestible way. Right. I think I made a tweet about this towards the end of us watching the show about how Tanjiro has the patience of a saint to be oh, able to absolutely. put up with those two. Because they're both like, I feel like if they were people in real life, they would be absolutely insufferable. Yeah, for they're like two very halves of a whole idiot, basically. <laughs> yeah, they really are. And Tanjiro is just like, huh, these are my co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> my friends? I don't know if I'd call them friends, but they're co-workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean... Sinitsu's fine. I, I feel like he's a character that maybe by the end of the show we can look back on him and be like, you know what? He wasn't that bad. That but I, I want him to grow yeah. because he does have the potential yeah. to be interesting. Yeah. I see potential in him. And Inosuke, I kind of just imagine being one of those characters that kind of stays the same throughout the whole thing. My he may learn a few lessons. I he may learn say, a few, though, few like... lessons, make some friends, but... He was a very well-designed character, and I mean aesthetically designed, like, underneath Mm -hmm. the boar helmet, and I'm just like, you couldn't have spent that design on, like, somebody whose face we'll actually see. So, (laughs) I somehow managed to avoid, because we were were very late to finishing the show, and somehow I managed to avoid the entire time what he actually looks like under there. So when he took it off, like, I was just expecting him to have that on throughout the entire show. So I was like, man, that must be stinky in there. But then he took it off, and I'm like, Sasuke? (laughs) Why do you look like that? Tori, you have to remember, it is most definitely stinky in there, but I don't think Inosuke <laughs> has a sense of smell anymore. I don't think he has a sense of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I expected him to come out of there and be like some... I don't want to say ugly, but I expected him to be like... Rough. More I don't know, rugged. like shaved head and more... I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. I was <laughs> expecting him to be bald, to be completely honest. Yeah, like Connie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why, yeah, got, I just kind of got, like, yeah. a bald vibe from him. <laughs> Big yeah, bald and then, energy. <laughs> and then he takes off his uh, mask and, like, what was it? They, he's kind of, like, be shonen. Like, yeah. somebody makes a, makes Some, a comment somebody about was how just he like, kind of looks cute. Somebody was like, he's cute. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, I really think it was Zenitsu being like, why do you have such long, girly eyelashes? Yeah, yeah that's like it. Because that. his, eye, his eyes are, like, really big and shiny and everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Yeah. There's a wonderful gif that I've uh, seen a couple times of him eating and then smiling with food all over his face. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, a, that's a very good gif. I like yeah. that. I, yeah. I didn't expect his backstory to be so dark. I mean, you know, so obviously something happened for this, like, kid to be feral and living in the woods, essentially, from a young age. But I did not expect him to be, like, an abandoned-in-the-woods baby because his mother died out there or something. Mm-hmm.
So what about Nezuko? I feel like she is the character that I want to see the most of going forward. Oh yeah. Because I feel like she was definitely relegated to the background in a lot of this series so far, <laughs> which makes sense because a lot of the arc was basically her kind of dealing with the fact that she's a demon creature now and that being a whole new thing and then Tanjiro having to deal with that. But I think one of the most... I mean, it, it makes sense for the story that they're trying to tell, but I think one of the most unfortunate things about this show is that Nezuko doesn't really say much. We don't hear a lot from her point of view, and I think that is an extremely valuable point of view for this story um, to be told going forward. So I really hope that the series leans into tell allowing us to hear Nezuko's story from her going mm-hmm. forward. Because I think that's the biggest thing that this show is missing. I... I like Nezuko, and I agree with you. I I would like to see more kind of about her side of things. Um, Because I feel like she's just a set piece right now. And I know it sort of can't be helped because they're still trying to figure out um, kind of the condition and what she can do and what she can't do. But she just feels like a set piece. And it eventually kind of became predictable when you knew something was happening in a fight. And they're like, you know, okay, here comes a uh, do a sex Nezuko. So, <laughs> like, you she's, knew she's Tanjiro's stand. Absolutely, <laughs> like you knew when she was gonna pop out and save the day. But it's like, you know what? You're cool. I like when you're small. I like when you're big. I like all the little mannerisms she does, like when she's bored and is kicking her legs. And um, <laughs> I, I just love I love the one part where she's being chased. And they're just like, come here. And she just shrinks to avoid it and then starts running around as a chibi. (laughs) And I'm just like, there you Um, go. Oh, that killed me. I think we like rewound that part three separate times just to watch that. Yeah, I I mean, you have to. (laughs) Yo, and when she punts that demon's head off, I knew that's when Mm -hmm. I knew she was going to be one of my favorite characters. And it's not that I don't think she can't. Go on. What? Go, go ahead first. Okay. It's not that I don't think she can't hold her own, because she most obviously can, but I also don't like how they treat her as this fragile little, like, oh my god, my little baby sister Nezuko. Like, she's obviously very capable of, like, kicking ass and being very self-sufficient, so I'm really hoping that later on we'll be able to see more of that, especially since, like, the Demon Slayer headquarters people or whatever are acknowledging that she exists and um the two hashira are kind of like taking responsibility for her being in the world so i feel like eventually they don't have to hide her in that box and i know she shrinks but like that cannot be comfortable well Well, she hides in the box mostly to avoid the sun Mm mm-hmm I mean that's right. valid. Yeah, I've kind yeah. of forgot about that. I forgot that they were like vampire esque. Yeah, that that's that was more of a not not like a I have to hide her away because she can't take care of herself. It's like she'll literally dissolve if she doesn't do this. Yeah, but it right. it does come across that way sometimes because there are scenes I remember that it was like sunset or evening and they still had her contained in the box and I'm just like, do we not let her out for fresh air? <laughs> well, I think, well, I mean, you said it earlier. There are no like, holes the, in this the box. Demon Slayer Corps didn't know of her existence, and they would consider it blasphemy. Like that's the thing. Like, um, Tanjiro is a mi- is a stark minority in this universe. Mm-hmm. Like most people, when they say demon, it's kill it. 
Like they, the culture has demonized these demons. Like in any other show, you, you see a demon it, or other creature that's trying to harm, and it's just like, oh, no, no humanity, no empathy. We just got to kill it. That's how most people mm-hmm. view these demons. He is like alone almost in this perspective. So it yeah. makes sense for him to want to protect her because at any moment, if the core finds out, like they tried everything they could to take her away from him and to kill her in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's 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 valid. I mean, I'm not like I like pretty much agree. I just I feel like at the same time it's, you know, she is just confined to that box and I would like to have seen a little bit more from her. Oh, I definitely I definitely understand. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but at least from my perspective, this was never like a case of damsel in distress or anything. I, yeah, I never lines. got I never got like a side character vibe from her. Right. I got like she is the other protagonist. No, of course, like yeah, she's yeah. super important to the yeah. story. I yeah. just would like to yeah. have seen her have more screen time i guess and, and i definitely saying, think you're going to get that just in the using her. season absolutely yeah I, I, so, I really, is really movie, hope so is the movie basically just going to be the train arc yes okay yes that is my understanding i assume that they're probably doing that because it's a relatively short arc that mm-hmm. they can wrap up that in just the course seems, of the film that just seems like something that would probably pace better in a film mm-hmm. like perhaps i mean we've all seen bacchano <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh gosh the adventures on the flying pussyfoot <laughs> yeah god i really want but, the, um, i really want the intro of the movie to be guns and roses now Jeez. And as, um, as far, I want to actually go back song. to another point about like not really mm-hmm. getting Nezuko's perspective. I actually kind of like the fact that she's an enigma, that we don't really know the struggle she's going through because that kind of makes mm-hmm. her more mysterious in that way. Uh, yeah, I, she isn't really vocalizing what she's going through. Right, yes. and we don't, okay, and we don't I, really I, take a lot yeah, of deep I, dives into yeah. her psyche either. So I'm afraid if we start doing that too often, we'll get into the realm of what I like to call anime Bologna. Which is just like you just, <laughs> and like you've seen it in shows before where they get like really like into the person's psyche and it just is kind of cheesy and it's like I really wish we didn't devote this much time to it. So I wouldn't That's mind fair. getting a little why, bit. Why are you, okay. why are you crap talking Neon Genesis Evangelion <laughs> on this podcast yeah. specifically? It, well, that one know, gets at a pass. She for didn't that. Uh, <laughs> at least she didn't end up having amnesia. Right. Oh my gosh! That would have <laughs> right, just, exactly. But, um, so, like, I wouldn't I, I mind think, if they think, peppered a I little bit right. of that in the second season, but mm-hmm. I definitely don't want that to be in the forefront, or at least not until the very end of the show. No, so I think you're what? I think you're right. I think you're right, John. But her being an enigma, I think, only pays off if at some point in the show she is allowed to tell her story. I think what yeah. this story. I think what will really help sell this payoff is when we really get a sense of that internal struggle when it really matters and i think after that point we'll see a turning point for her as a character because then i think she'll have a lot more control over herself and then we'll mm-hmm. really get to start to understand nezuka as a person since she'll be able to actually communicate and be more herself now so what i gonna say tori i think what's gonna happen is gotoge is gonna pull a stephanie meyer and we'll get a whole spin-off manga from just nezuko's <laughs> point of view hey that could, oh my could gosh. be a thing <laughs> It's it's mostly just a, a drawing of the inside of a box for like week yes. after week, yes. chapter after chapter, and all of the all of the dialogue is just.
it definitely had like this shonen big shonen energy like all throughout it like it pulled a naruto by spending the first two minutes of most episodes showing the last two minutes of the the previous episode mm-hmm. which drives me up a wall every time they do it and like well are you you're more of a binge anime person rather than a weekly yes yeah. right that's more a courtesy to weekly watchers yes that's definitely true um but having watched naruto we're literally one episode the first 15 minutes was the last 15 minutes aka the entire episode (laughs) so i was just kind of like please stop but um also just at the very beginning i didn't know anything about this show going in and I just was watching this happy-go-lucky kid with, like, a weird birthmark, just walking around, being happy. Everyone in the town loved him. And I was like, his entire family is gonna die. Absolutely. You just know. You get the (laughs) vibe in shows like this. It was the same with Attack on Titan. And um, when I first sat down to watch this, too, I was like, oh, this little boy is about to be completely traumatized, isn't he? (laughs) I was just like, that happy face is about to go away. Granted, I I thought he was going to become an edgelord for the entire show, and he didn't, so I was happy about that. you were wrong. Yeah. Well, I think, like, like with a lot, with most people who go into combat, they lose a big chunk of their humanity with every Mm person, life life they take. And I think Tanjiro, while he understands this, is trying very hard not to lose that. Yeah, and I... Well, he still does have his sister, so he does have some tether to humanity still. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think the show for it to kind of fall into so many tropes also does a really good job at subverting expectations. Because like you said, I almost sort of expected the same thing when he found his family dead. It was like, Mm. oh, woe is me, and now I have to kill the entire world because one (laughs) demon killed my family, and all demons are bad now. But he really took that and decided to try to make things better and i appreciate that a lot because i reiterate it's not naive optimism it is him generally believing in the good of the world and it's just very refreshing yeah the only thing that he absolutely hates without exception is muzan because he literally is directly responsible for this right and you Mm. can't have a story like this without placing some anger on an overall villain and i mean he is the one orchestrating everything like he's going around and he's you know turning people into demons and all that crazy stuff and i would be really excited to see what direction they go with him because especially since the whole like he is now presenting as a woman thing yeah i don't know if that's like a permanent thing or what Maybe he's just like a shapeshifter. I'm not. I don't. That, I yeah, that is, that is really... very possible because yeah. it's not explained, and hopefully, I'll get some sort of satisfaction out of the manga with that. I'm very intrigued to see what that. I'm very intrigued to see what happens with that because mm-hmm. it would not surprise me for an all-powerful demon to take different forms to be able to achieve different things. Yeah, sure. like I, I saw it as like a disguise out of necessity. Hmm. Mm. Who knows? We'll we'll see how it uh, how it goes. Mm-hmm. The one Nezuko thing the say, one thing about that that somebody pointed out though is his new female form resembles his daughter. Oh, mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I I don't I don't even know if that's gonna be like a situation where like, oh, this is my real family, or are these just people that I've hypnotized to pretend to be my family, like Kira. Yeah. yeah. Like Kira from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Everything's right. just JoJo. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a JoJo reference now. Yeah, yes. completely unrelated, but now that we're speaking of JoJo, um, I really, really love the Bon Appetit YouTube channel, and so for April Fool's Day, all the hosts were switching shows, and it is one of the last places I ever expected to see a JoJo reference, but one of the editors slipped one in there, and I lost my mind, because it truly, nice. truly, truly was the last place I ever expected to see that. Alright guys, so I guess in a nutshell, what are your overall thoughts about Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba? We'll, we will start with John. Uh, I think it's an interesting show. I was a little hesitant at first, but I'm glad I jumped into it. And I'm curious to see what the upper bounds of uh, Tanjiro's abilities are. And I'm really curious to see what Muzan's upper bounds as a demon go. And how, like, how powerful he is. Because, like... You, we, even after all of this, we still don't really have a good scale of, like, how powerful he is and how long you have to be a demon in order to really let his blood, like, be accepted by you. Because we saw what happened to that one poor lady in the street when he just, like, pumped a bunch of his blood in there and she just melted into goo. Like, you can't just get it all, like, at once. It's got to be over time. So I'm really curious, like, how crazy strong the upper 12 is going to be. Mm-hmm. And what would what would you say is your favorite scene from the show? Ooh, that is the question we always have to answer. <laughs> Ooh, man. Um, come back to me if on you that ha- one. If you I had to f- pick one, if I had to pick one, uh, I think it would probably be when he is uh, killing the mama spider, mm. because like that just kind of really put it into perspective how like that particular demon was ostracized by humans and also wasn't really accepted by the demons. So no matter where she was, she was, like, really, truly alone. And I don't know. That just that's just hit a weird note for me. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan, what are your final thoughts on Demon Slayer? And what is your favorite scene? So for me, I tend... More recently, I've tended to avoid the mainstream just because... I see fandoms, and that's a problem because, you know, things can be good without the fandoms. <laughs> fandoms, you know, a problem. Right. Uh, things can be good without fandoms being obnoxious, though. But, like, uh, I'd seen a lot about this, and I was like, I'm getting, like, a generic vibe from this. And then when I watched it, I was, like, very pleasantly surprised that it was actually very mm-hmm. enjoyable. And I watched it very quickly as a result of that. Um so it's definitely it definitely gets a pass from me like definitely watch this if you have the time um as for my favorite scene probably nezuko versus tamari girl because that was just really fun and also i really liked the just the direction of the scene when um tanjiro was fighting the the girl abducting demon which side note i absolutely Mm. hated that thing because it's 
like voice sounded like nails on a chalkboard <laughs> um, but i loved it when he was like underwater and did the whirlpool technique it just looked really cool and tori final thoughts on demon slayer and favorite scene um i think i've said this like towards the beginning of this discussion um but we're on day two so who knows what i said yesterday but i think this is a very good show to sit down and show somebody who might be teetering on the edge of you know wondering if they like anime or not um this would be something that i'd kind of push people to use or whatever but um I really enjoyed it. I was very taken aback by how much I genuinely enjoyed the show because, you know, as we spent this entire episode discussing, I don't really like shonen. Um, but hey, that's fine. We all I don't know where I was going with that anyway. Um, but that's fine. So I'm I'm glad that I did not feel as if I wasted my time uh watching this. So um and I definitely will watch it again whenever the English dub comes out on streaming so i was very genuinely pleased with all the cast as well so um favorite scenes i'm cheating i have three um john already took mine but (laughs) the (laughs) that scene where he goes to kill the spider mother that is i i was in actual legitimate tears and i am the resident crybaby around here so that's fine but that split second where he realized what was going on and changed his attack in the midst of it to more than likely make it faster and less painful for her yeah it was a mercy Um, killing at that point it it legitimately just emotionally killed me and i was like it, it got to me really bad and um and like john said she didn't fit in with people she didn't fit in with the demons she got the short end of the stick in her human and demon life and that must have felt really bad when you know muzan is promising you that things are going to be better for you once you turn and it just didn't and she was miserable and that really just i'm, I'm getting like chills thinking about it now but um the other scene i really liked was when um you start to see the upper six or the upper 12. There's so many numbers. I don't know. Basically, all the ones that, like, Muzan kills in three seconds. I know. Um, oh, when man. they go the into that, six. like, weird... Yes, that was the lower six. Thank you. When they go into that weird Escher staircase-type room... That was room, wild. That was so crazy. Like, that that just blew my mind. That was um, a lot of detailed set design for a oh sequence that was only a few minutes long exactly. in one single episode. <laughs> exactly. That's where the budget went, baby. <laughs> um, and then other than that, the moment when uh, Tanjiro was fighting the spider boy, I, I just think the spider section is probably my favorite arc mm. um, just for the emotional um... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's see. Emotional um, weight. Uh... The the emotional brevity of it. Mm. Um, when he is losing and he sees Nezuko up there, like, next to being, like, completely dismembered. And then he has that vision of his father. And he just breaks out in that beautiful flame power. And I'm like, oh, my God, Tanjiro's the avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that, that really hit me emotionally. And, you know, if you listen to me enough on this podcast, I am much more of like an emotional based person. So I can forgive sometimes if writing is bad or execution is bad, if you can make me feel very emotionally moved. But 
oh my god, like that that hit me. And that was coming off of the episode of the mom dying and I'm just yeah. like, oh my god. Okay, but I cheated and that was three, but I feel justified because John stole mine. <laughs> this, is why cheating, this is why cheating is bad because every time somebody's gets stolen, it just inevitably happens. It snowballs. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, for me, I guess my final thoughts on Demon Slayer is that I think that this show uh, coming out in 2019, there's probably a legion of uh, kids out there that this will be their first big anime, Oh, yeah. And they will watch it, and this will be the thing that gets them hooked on these awesome Japanese cartoons that we all love. And for that, I think it is a fantastic introductory anime for that. Uh, it's something that has a lot, a, an extreme amount of heart to it. It has an extreme amount of empathy in it, mm -hmm. which I think is one of the biggest things that uh, is so important for stories to convey. You know, having a sense of empathy, showing that if you approach the world with kindness and compassion, then that is what you should do to make this uh, horrible world that we live in a better place. And any show that teaches that, I am totally behind but it also you know has a sense of real like doom and dread about it i mean there's some real viscera that happens in the show both emotionally and uh, physically mm -hmm. so it, it definitely keeps it real in, in that sense it's also just i think overall wonderfully paced and i think if they keep it up this could end up being a show that we look back on and say wow dang demon slayer was a really tightly run ship um, and I really hope that that, that, that happens. I, I really hope for this show to be something that goes on to be something like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, where it's really something that anybody can enjoy. It's something that has a lot mm -hmm. for people, has a lot of valuable lessons, has a lot of wonderful characters. And I really hope that for this show. And I think uh, from this first season, it's off to a pretty, pretty good start. It seems um, like from actually, yeah, it seems like from that like it is going in that direction because they're both going to be relatively short, all things considered. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I I certainly hope for that because you look at Full Metal Brotherhood, like that's under seventy episodes, like it's, it's very like digestible. I think. Yeah, and if the if the Demon Slayer ends up being like uh, a season, a movie, and then a season, I think that is perfectly digestible, and it will it will make it much more easier to recommend down the line. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's ending as soon as they are predicting sure. it's going to, which was sometime right. in May. Yeah, Wait, we're in May. Month. It's ending yeah, next May. week. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, it's literally so, um, it's slated to end next week. Like it's right. Upon oh, us. right. I mean, I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping my mind open to the possibility that it might continue at some point because things are so crazy right now with COVID-related things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, again, if if this is the end, then I hope it ends gracefully. So that <laughs> that is my hope. But uh, my I guess my favorite scene. Uh, we didn't really talk about her at all because she kind of showed up towards the end. But the um the sort of understudy girl of uh, Shinobu. Yeah. That one. Uh, that one uh, demon core girl who uh, very much in a in a very Batman fashion sort of makes all of her life decisions by flipping a coin, <laughs> and she had a she had an extremely uh, depressing arc to her. Um, but there's a wonderful scene where she and Tanjiro are talking to each other after he and the he and the boys are about to leave to go on to the next adventure, mm -hmm. and he Tanjiro basically looks at her and and takes her coin because they do some sort of head flip for something. I I, th I don't remember exactly what it was for. I think but, it was, uh, I think it was literally... like, if it's heads, then uh, you can you make your own choices now. 
Yeah, but right, she was right. going to flip to actually decide whether or not she told Tanjiro goodbye. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was something, you know, kind of sweet like that. It was like, I then... flipped whether or not to say something to you right oh, now. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, there was a line that Tanjiro says, and I think it just encapsulates his entire worldview, which I think is very wonderful. He's basically like, I'll keep flipping the coin until it turns heads, which to me translates to basically like, you just keep pushing forward until things get better, because that's that's the best thing that we can do, you know? Mm-hmm. It might be extremely hard to push forward, but I think that doing it, eventually things will be better, and I think that's kind of the mission statement of this show. Mm-hmm. Um and I really appreciated that. So let's jump into final questions. Okay. So from our resident, resident Bill, <laughs> <laughs> our resident, resident Bill, he asks, what makes Demon Slayer different from others in the shonen genre? Is there a tournament arc? And well, I feel Kinda. like we no, there's no tournament arc, but there is an extended training arc. There, there's like a there's an the exam final arc. selection yeah yeah i mean it's sort kind of. of like a tournament arc kind of <laughs> it's not a tournament it's an exam yeah it's a tournament where it's just tanjiro versus a giant rock yeah basically <laughs> um okay so he says i'm surprised demon slayer is ending why do you think certain shonen series don't know when to end I am predicting One Piece jokes with this question. Because uh, money. money is so good. Money, money, yeah. money. <laughs> money <laughs> I don't know and why editorial... I said it like an Italian chef. <laughs> yeah. Money and editorial money. Edi- editorial meddling being like, yeah. dude, we have to keep this thing going on. Yeah, until you die, essentially. I know, I I know too... Bleach ended really badly because of editorial meddling. I'm surprised, right, that... like, one of the writers wasn't like, okay, what if we just took a beach episode and just made it a season? Good, Greenland, oh. go, go, go. <laughs> the sad part is, those have been made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, too, is they carry it on for so long because of money, prestige, etc. Yeah. That they legitimately do not know how to concisely wrap it up. So they're just like, I'll keep writing these kids who should now be 45 in these wacky adventures. Because that will sell and people will buy my merch and I'll be a quadrillionaire <coughs> as they oh, lower on. me into the grave. The last arc of Naruto <laughs> took place over yeah. two days. And two days was condensed into 300 chapters. Yeah. Whoa. And basically, Dang, right. most of it consisted of uh, Kishimoto being like, "What cool fight could I come up with?" And I have a <laughs> resurrection jutsu, so it could literally be anybody, be anyone. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> so it went on um, for so long. God power is sometimes bad power. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then Bill's final question is: What long-running shonen are you guys watching after this? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll probably finally tack, uh, tackle Hunter x Hunter or sorry Hunter Square. yeah I think I want to go back yeah. and watch more Hunter x Hunter yeah uh, Yu Yu Hakusho was never something I got into back in the day but I know it's all on Hulu and I know it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things that people point towards as it being like still very good and very enjoyable after all these years yes, so you know what? I, take my answer, I actually take my answer back then I may get back into Yu Yu Hakusho because I actually really enjoyed yeah. that anime I love Yu Yu yeah. Hakusho. As a kid, I used to call it the Yu Yu Haku Show because I didn't understand <laughs> Japanese. Of course you did. Um, of course. I want somebody to say Sailor Moon. 
I mean, nope. Sailor Moon definitely has that formula, but it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a magical not a show. No, no, it's, no, not a, it's not a shonen. Yeah. I was being yeah. funny, and you all shot me down, which is a very man thing to do. We mansplained to you why it's not better. a shonen. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. But, I'm going to uh, go watch Precure, and you can't <laughs> argue me on that one. <laughs> uh, is Precure a shonen? It certainly looks like one. Um but in, in all in all honesty, I, I have been watching Sailor Moon slowly and surely, and it's extremely good. Um, and uh, I hope to one day watch that. But I, I guess in the more traditional sense of shonen, like probably Yu Yu Hakusho, and yeah, I'd like mm-hmm. to check out Hunter Hunter at some point. But like I don't know, it's like it, it's hard for me to get invested in things like this because i was burned by bleach in my youth <laughs> uh, you know i, I it's watched, not that well, i watched no no i mean it's it's the sense that i watched about 80 percent of the bount arc and felt uh just uh right. shame shame of I myself think yeah. we should <laughs> just so hard. stream the chimera and arc of hunter times hunter and just burn you out so horribly bad that you never think about it again yeah. Great. That sounds like a wonderful recipe for me to nuke this <laughs> podcast and never look at a Japanese cartoon ever again. What I want Great, somebody what I'm gonna challenge one of you to do is to go watch the English dub of Zatch Bell and <gasps> try to imagine Jimmy Neutron doing anime things because that's who Zatch is voiced by. Oh my god. Jimmy gosh. Neutron is not an anime. I mean no. <laughs> I mean Go watch Zatch Bell. It's a it's a shonen show that I used to really be into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that being on Toonami. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Our good resident resident Basil asks anyone reading the manga, and I think only me right now. Yeah, I, I think you're the only I one. I own Roni so in one volume of like a Go uh, manga. It's like, <laughs> and that's it. So no, I I typically don't read the manga of any particular I'm, anime. Yeah, I, I'm still read. I'm still trying to I catch do, up on just Berserk. Not manga. Be polite. <laughs> um, I need to finish burning through it because this spoiler confirmation thing is killing me on the inside and I need to know. How do you feel the anime tackles the material and do you prefer one over the other? Um, as far as I've gotten in the manga, it basically is almost a shot-for-shot adaptation. So I think it's fine. I think the emotional weight comes through a little bit more in the animation. Um, like, for instance, when Tanjiro comes back and finds his family's been murdered, it has a lot more weight because they linger on it a little bit longer. It's a little more gruesome, a little heavier. And then in the manga, it's just like, okay, my family's dead. Moving on. <laughs> um, which I don't know if that was because the manga artist didn't want to, like, really weigh too long on that because of the intensity of the violence. But it's also like, well, the series is kind of violent all throughout, but... um. If it is anything like I've been hearing and anything like I'm seeing so far, apparently the anime is a welcome improvement, not that the manga is bad. Mm. Is the manga available on the Shonen Jump subscription app? Absolutely. For $1.99 a month, you can get almost the entire Shonen Jump archive, (laughs) including your favorites, Demon Slayer, Tokyo Ghoul, and my personal recommendation, Claymore. (laughs) we are not being sponsored by shonen jump even though we will take your money but yeah that is a wonderful uh wonderful app service to make to for to plug honestly everybody tweet at shonen jump to give them to give us a sponsorship 
God, I wish. After I delivered that excellent advertisement. that that excellent sale. Use TIA85 for 30% (laughs) off your first month. (laughs) Um, No, it's really good. You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your iPad. You can use it on your phone. And they are consistently adding stuff. And they are opening even more because of the stay-at-home initiative. So they want people to have even more access to their catalog, which I think is very lovely, and they do it all without raising the price. Once again, you can use the discount coupon TIA. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't actually say that. We can get in trouble. I know. Anyway, I think people know we're joking. Anyway. Yeah. Um, the, the sad part is one day, hopefully, we won't be joking. And then they'll think <laughs> we're joking. Um, anyway, so Basil also asks, how much do you enjoy... How much all the main cast are gigantic dorks. One thing that we did not seem to discuss somehow was the really well-executed comedy in this show. Like, I have so many screen grabs of these kids' faces that they make because they are just so insanely funny. And um, the jokes are good. The gags are good. Like I said, I could have done with Zenitsubi in a little less weirdly shown and pervy but um there's always one it's funny there's always one yeah but it's a very funny show when it needs to be and it doesn't do the thing that kills me with new wave marvel movies in which they'll have a very heavy emotional like serious like someone has just died but let's make a joke at their expense because (laughs) that's what they would have wanted when it's not really (laughs) they didn't really do that in endgame in fairness they kind of did, though. But that's neither here nor there to discuss. Yeah. yeah. Again, I, I could have dealt with, like, 40% of Zenitsu with how much of a, how much he was. Like, you, they really could have toned him down, and I still would have been very Take okay it down to, like, a level 40. At least with yeah. Inosuke, like, he's just hard-headed. Like, he's just rash and is just, like, all in with no matter what he does. So at least... Quite literally, even, he bangs his head against many objects. Yeah, yeah exactly. And even when he saw, like, how, like pissed the sword makers were when Tanjiro broke his sword. He had no qualms of, like bashing his sword against the rock just so it could have that signature mm-hmm. signature jagged design that I like to use. Yeah. I think the sword maker was probably my favorite goof in the entire thing. Because <laughs> yes. he just sees him and he's so happy and he's like long time and he just bum rushes him and starts beating him. He was yeah, literally he in the show for two episodes and he was one of the most memorable characters from the show. Yeah, I forgot to write this in my notes, but that was actually one thing that was on my mind the entire show was, like, his teacher said at, like, the very beginning, he's like, if you break my sword, I will break every bone in your body. And (laughs) I was just waiting for him to break his sword at one point. And then when it happened, I actually wasn't expecting it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the grand irony, though, is Inosuke being totally willing to bash his own sword and break it and not see the irony in that at all. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, so Basil asks, how much did you enjoy the episode about Demon Slayer we did on the awesome cast? It was good. I promise um, I did not copy your thoughts and pass them off as my own. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the way that the discussion was laid out. I think you guys have a very good chemistry for talking and i wonder if you're like all of us or if it's anna's post editing magic because we always talk over each other constantly so i don't know but i enjoyed it and you guys should go listen to theirs as well if you want a bit of a different perspective on things as well 
Um, and then Basil also asks, do you want to be Borkid when you grow up? And I am surprised that I'm not there yet. <laughs> I was going to say, as the group's resident uh, feral baby, I'm halfway there. <laughs> So, yes, I guess I just... See, there is a reason I always mildly joke about, you know, screwing off into the woods and never coming back. So, <laughs> I just need swords. I also... That just made me think of the video where the kid is running with the knife and the mom's like, what do you have in your hand? No. A knife. No! <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody... I need somebody to edit Tanjiro over the mom and a Nosuke over the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to combine this question because Basil and then one of our listeners, uh, Mr. Clean is a goat, kind of asked the same question. And her starts out with, I thought Demon Slayer was pretty good. I am not the biggest Shonen Battle fan, which is probably why I'm not as into it as others. But I did enjoy the time period used and the use of some Japanese mythology. And... Um, overall, they're both asking if this show would be as good or as popular if someone other than Ufotable were to be the company that animated it. I, I think if Trigger animated it, the uh, attack scenes would probably have been like a little bit too much. <laughs> Trigger would have been more CG like heavy for sure. Yeah, I was definitely but I'm surprised because that... I'm lukewarm on Trigger. Yeah, I, I love Ufotable. I'll watch pretty much anything they do. Um, because mm-hmm. they're they've done so many series that I love. Um, yeah. so I'm kind of surprised they took on a shonen, but I think mm-hmm. they did a very good job. But honestly, yes, it probably would still be popular even if it wasn't animated by Ufotable because the character and the writing is a different story. And that's the thing too. It's like a lot of sh- a lot of things that runs in Shonen Jump and other big magazines like it sort of have a built-in fan base already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think the question of popularity is is a little bit of a tricky thing to answer because, you know, things typically things that run in that magazine end up being popular at least on some level because yeah. there is that built-in fan base that exists already for the source material. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing about Demon Slayer specifically being adapted by Ufotable as opposed to someone else is that it gives it sort of this gravitas. It feels like a more um, premium anime rather than something done by, I don't know, a much smaller studio with that, that doesn't really that churns out, you know, two or three anime per season, you know, like a dozen or two dozen anime per year or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ufotable is typically very selective about the things that they do. They only do a few productions each year, kind of like Kyoto Animation in that way. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, So they, they have this more, they have this premium feel to them. It's like if you watch something from Ufotable, it's like you might not love it, but you can at least accept that it is absolutely gorgeous. And I think that the cards really fell into place wonderfully here because Demon Slayer has a very solid foundation in its source material. Plus, Ufotable decided to sort of take a take a chance at adapting something um, from this genre that typically runs very long. And it's also interesting that they didn't break it up. Like, if you go back and look at Fate Zero and Fate Unlimited Blade Works, which I would say are very visually similar to the way that a lot of things are in Demon Slayer, you can definitely tell that they share some staff. Um, those were two core, um, and they were separated by at least a season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Demon Slayer, they powered through, they did a whole chunk of 25 episodes 
um, all at once, and with a movie coming out probably sometime this year. I think it's supposed to come out in the summer, but with COVID things, who's to say? But, um, yeah, I, I just think that Ufotable adapting it just gave it this gravitas that other that another studio might not. And I feel like if it were being done by Studio Bones, it might have ended up feeling a little bit samey to My Hero Academia. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have its own like unique visual style. I don't know that for sure. Obviously, this is speculation. But that's what I would say to the whole question about, like, is this show popular because it's an Ufotable show? And I would say, like, yes and no. I think the Ufotable kind of gives it that gravitas. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, I think it still would have been popular anyway. It was neat to see Ufotable take on something other than a type moon work, and I really wish that they would do that more, because they're kind of like the type moon studio for anime adaptation. Um, they, gotta, they gotta pay their taxes first. I, yeah, I know, but um, <laughs> I think maybe the only other studio that I would have think... I think the only other studio that maybe would have been able to pull this off would have been like Shaft. That would have been interesting. I don't know, but I also agree with you in the, like, yes and no, because for me personally, Ufotable is known for making very gorgeous anime, and that is what drew me so much into this, and depending on who else perhaps could have picked it up, like you said, it could have been a completely different issue, um... You know, certain studios don't have such polished animation or they're not super great at, um, what's the word I'm looking for, at bringing a work together, I guess, and making a moving image, but... Making it, like, cohesive. Yes, thank you. Um, but I don't know, I really don't really know who And it seems like... Seems like these days Ufotable also has like almost exclusive access to Yuki Kajura, and basically yes. anything that she's affiliated with it gets lifted up because of her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Lisa so. did the intro, so. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, we didn't even God. talk about the opening anime, the oh. opening song, which has become a phenomenon in of itself, going like golden or like something huge on the Japanese billboard. When you have freaking Brendan Yuri of Panic at the Disco fame in a live stream singing this song, like, <laughs> yeah. you know it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it has spawned countless memes. It's become a, you know, sort of an anime anthem of the times. It's a bop. Like, that song slaps so hard. And it's probably right now my most repeated Spotify song. So, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Lisa Queen. Yeah. The ending is also excellent too. Another another Lisa joint with Yuki mm-hmm. Kajura. Mm-hmm. Uh, her band Fiction Junction did that. Yep. And uh, it's a great bop, bop too. So they've got a great um, selection of mm-hmm. great, just overall wonderful music. And I I think that's another thing. I know this is kind of extending the conversation here, but I think that's another thing when shows like this have such an opening that's just like like when that song comes on, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just pumps you up for the show that you know is gonna be so like beautifully action oriented. So you're already feeling the adrenaline from the song and that pulls you even further into the show. So just the execution of everything for the most part is just incredible. All right, guys. Well, I think that takes us to the end of our episode. Thank you guys for being here to talk about Demon Slayer. You're welcome. Anytime. I hope you folks listening at home enjoyed the episode. I hope you're staying safe, staying inside, doing your due diligence and washing your hands and doing all those things that I'm sure 
you know, you've gotten hundreds of emails about and see on Facebook and Twitter and social media every single day. You know what you're supposed to do, so do it. Yeah. By golly. It's what Nezuko would want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What you need Be to do is go distance. outside and kill the coronavirus with a magical sword. <laughs> yes. Go outside and read a book. <laughs> <laughs> Tori, where can people follow you on the internet? Um, I am on twitter.com at worstwaifu, and I'm just posting an in, uh, in memoriam. In, in, is that the right? Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes. It depends on what you're talking about. <laughs> um, anyway, you can follow me on twitter.com at worstwaifu. I just posted an in memoriam for Demon Slayer episode 19. It's been exactly zero days since I've thought about that episode again. So, uh, follow me over there. I'm hanging out, just vibing, as the kids say. What about you, Ryan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MidshelfRyan, and I want to tell a story while I have you, while I have all of your attention. Not again. There were three boys who had a dream, and their dream was to play video games and make videos about them on YouTube. Then roughly... Uh, about 17 months ago to this day those three boys founded that dream in reality and called it mid-shelf gaming and you can find me there on youtube as well <laughs> oh dad that was such a great story uh, thank you, <laughs> you guys make wonderful uh, video game content on the internet i wholly endorse it thank you i appreciate it mm-hmm and John, you're kind of an enigma. You've only been on this podcast twice in the last, I don't know, ten Five years. years. We've only, Something like we've that. Only, I'm surprised I've been we, like. It almost feels like my first back-to-back episode. Just about. I'm pretty yeah, sure honestly. it is. Yeah, it is. So wait, well, we're we're so glad to have you back because you have some excellent commentary. Maybe we'll have you back uh, some more in the future. But where can people contact you on the internet? Well, technically, I do have a Tweedly Deet as well. Is the Gentle Jan, and it's a gentleman with a J instead of an M. Uh, I do have a SoundCloud, which is also about as active as my Twitter right now, so I'm hoping to get some more stuff out this Oof. year. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you can tweet me. Uh, maybe I'll respond. Depends on how uh, interesting the tweet is, I guess. <laughs> and you can find me over at Bebop Shock on Twitter. You can also find our brand Twitter over at, at TI underscore anime. I know times are tough right now and everybody's a little bit strapped for cash because things are kind of bleak out there. But if you guys want to send any financial support over to Third Impact Anime, we would definitely appreciate it. The best way to do that is to either drop us a tip over on Kofi or over on our Patreon as well, which is ko-fi.com slash thirdimpactanime and patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. We totally do not expect anybody to give us anything ever, especially not right now, but if you're feeling a little bit generous, we would definitely appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's been our episode. That has been our Plug commentary. The oh yeah. And if you're social distancing out there and you're craving some human attention and you'd like to talk to other friendly people about anime and comics and video games and all that sort of stuff, you can also join our Discord server. And the easiest way to do that is to just pop on over to our website, thirdimpactanime.com, and click on the Join Our Discord Server link there. And that will send you to the invitation and you can just 
uh, pop right on in here. Feel free to add your friends. Uh, we like to keep it a pretty positive environment over there. We are always pretty active talking to people about random things. Um, but also we try and keep it pretty chill over there because I know a lot of Discord servers can be very overwhelming. So we try and keep it pretty simple and straightforward. Um, the only bot we have in there is Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's about it. I mean, feel free to follow us on Twitter and just expect our next exciting episode pretty soon. I feel like we put out a kind of a large amount of episodes recently compared to normal. We were a little bit slow there for, for the first few months of, uh, 2020, but, uh, now that we've got nothing else better to do, we've been making some podcasts. I think we so. all got motivated oh. by boredom. Fair enough. I think so, a little bit. But but unfortunately, I think the negative side effect of that is that since so many people are home now, they uh, are not commuting or listening to podcasts at work. I'm definitely so guilty of that. Getting... Yeah, exactly. So, uh, But regardless, these podcasts will be available for you in perpetuity as long as the internet exists. And you can feel free to listen to them either now or way later whenever your job finally lets you back in but hopefully not too early think about it this way for when your job lets you back in you'll have a really nice backlog for when we get lazy again yeah (laughs) absolutely very well said ryan well anyway thank you guys so very much for joining me and this has been an episode of the third impact anime podcast but you already knew that anyway no reason for me to have said that we'll see you guys later stay home and stay healthy